Say it with me. Directed by Luke Wong. Friendship is rare. Do you know what I'm saying to you? Friendship is rare. My derriere, when they find out much later that they don't even care. It's rare. Welcome, welcome. Welcome, friends and friendettes. Welcome, amigos of all shapes and flavors. <laughs> You're listening to the, the Friend Obscurial Podcast. Curse you. <laughs> We're doing a friends episode. We're doing a friends episode. Not that friends. Yes, this is not a show dedicated to friends, just as... The Nerd Obscurial is not a show that's dedicated to Harry Potter. No, this is a friend-centric podcast. Something I was thinking about and like kind of something that I want to get on my soapbox about. I don't like when people put the classification for these other relationships in their families and their their pets even, stuff like that, and say, oh, it's my best friend. You know, like that cliche at the wedding, I'm marrying my best friend in the vows. Mm -hmm. Or like, oh, my mom's my best friend. No, your mom is your mom, your kid is your kid, your wife is your wife, and your friend is your friend. Like, these are very different things. Like, with pets, too. Oh, he's my best friend. Like, no, your best friend is your best friend. The reason why your best friend is there is they fucking put you on your shit sometimes. (laughs) And the pet's not going to do that, you know? Your relationship with your kid, especially. That I see it's just a warped relationship and and I think with the wife too I'm marrying my best friend no it's your wife there's things I would never share with my best friend that I share with my wife and there's things vice versa <laughs> with my best friend you do not share with your wife <laughs> you understand the the sentiment I'm coming at right like there's there's a different category here and things get melded in too much and I think just celebrating friends best buds some of the you know well we're gonna get into why don't we give a little preview of the sure show we're gonna get into uh an eight and a half list the best buddy movies yep. of all time according to us we're gonna do our first tournament thing so the idea is that we're doing the tournament of gruesome twosomes super 
Hero Edition. Duos, yeah. Right. Dynamic Duos. We're going to do a... The Tournament of Dynamic we're Duos. We're going to do a, a... Do a... It's not a... I don't think there was... It was, like, what, eight of them? Well, it's taken from so it's, a I top mean, ten list done by... I think it's Game Rant. I need to go look in my notes right. exactly what it is. But there's a website who, you know, did this ranking thing. The top ten best friends superheroes. Superhero. So, ten is a really messy thing for, for a, a bracket. bracket system. So, we're going to do a double bracket with eight. Yes, we're basically doing... A March Madness right. final eight on superhero duos. Well, what I think it makes it interesting, where it it kind of I think shows the depth of a list is that like if you did everything right, then everything's going to go as planned. But I think there's sometimes there's going to be fives are going to upset C twos and stuff like that. Like there's going to be you know variants if you do head to head matchups rather than just a list down. Yes. That's that's the point of the tournament of the seeding yeah. bracket. And then the idea is you're making a mixtape. You and your butt are going on a your best bud going on a road trip. You're tasked with making a mixtape, but your best bud is the one driving. So you know that if you put some real trash that only you like, he's going to be skipping through it, and you got to list have the last out. Uh, 30 minutes of your drive be silent. Right. So, and I said about an hour. We both have run times on ours. I actually would argue because I came in a little under, but if you're going on a road trip and stuff, those last couple minutes, you're like in the town you're supposed to be in. You're kind of looking for parking. Like you don't want to be blaring Metallica. And also the thing that I feel old, like I got to turn down my music so I can see better. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah. But I don't find wanna, that parking. Well, I don't want to have blaring music when I'm getting to my destination after right. a road trip and like getting into new surroundings, figuring out where I'm supposed to set up, go to the next next thing, and all that. Mm-hmm. That's just a personal preference. Maybe that's why you went over because you don't. Yeah, no, blast that shit twenty four seven. So that's our lineup for the friends zone. Oh, and we've got a, a a lightning esque round. And that's a perfect lead in. The next round will be like what we've done for lightning rounds. But Oklahoma, why don't you explain the twist? Oh, it's gonna be uh, like we put a twist on it for the winter holidays. We are doing a little bit of a twist. It's going to be a newlywed style quiz. We have both written down our... For the kids who have never seen the newlyweds game, the idea was that they would ask either the husband or the wife, whoever was going, a question, and then their partner wrote down on a board what their answer was going to be. And the husband is supposed to match what the wife Yeah, guess what the wife is going to answer. So... Uh, we're going to do that style, but instead of husband and wife questions, it's going to be like friend. Although there is maybe one or two that could be in both camps. Pretzels would like to take this opportunity to assure the audience we will not be apologizing to the show friends or any of the component friends of said show. No, in fact, I have some bones to pick when it comes down to it. Although my favorite part of the show. If you say the fucking monkey that fucking monkey is what i'm going to talk about although my favorite part of the show yeah, those monkeys don't naturally do those kind of things monkeys are pretty fucking stubborn goddamn headed and yeah. there was probably some big monkey cruelty going on um maybe not on the set of friends but to get him to the set of friends like we've all been to the fair with the hurdy-gurdy and the little monkey taking change from people and stuff like that There's smart enough to do it but you gotta fucking break that fucker because they are stubborn minded you're, you're saying we 
we need to take a break. <laughs> oh, we cut. What have we, we cut. done? There's, yeah, no, all, that's just meow. There was okay. just a big meow there, okay. so. Uh, soup's on. Thanks, you cats. Thanks, soup's on. Thanks, beautiful. soup is on. So we're back. We're gonna do our lightning round, a la newlywed. In the intro, we already kind of put down the premise, the idea is that a question is asked. We have already written down our answers. And so when we pose the question to somebody, they're gonna answer and the card's gonna go up. And we're gonna try to match. My first question was, your best friend is coming over for a dinner. What style of cuisine do you make for him? I'm gonna guess you're gonna say Mexican food. Correct, nice. I would make you Mexican food. I think you put barbecue, you are gonna barbecue. If I come over, you're gonna barbecue for me. Very disappointed in you. Oh. I've actually done this for you, which is what even makes it more disappointing. Indian food. You've been commissioned to write an opera about anything you want. What do you choose to write it about? So you go first this time because I want to right. last time. Uh, my guess is Greek mythology. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> Put. Film noir. Time travel. Your best friend asks you to order them a drink at the bar. What are you going to order me if I ask you to order me a drink at the bar? You're going to get me a Guinness. I'm going to get you a Guinness. Right? Yes. Um, a Sierra Nevada. I'll give it to you. Yes, Sierra Nevada Summerfest specifically. But I enough. wanted to keep it broad. Sierra keep Nevada. It, so Sierra Nevada like, counts. Yeah. Like I, said, brand, I didn't know how specific you wanted it. So specific. I, I didn't want to be like of that brand. Like you can't say a beer. That was part of the thing. You can't just say wine. But uh, yeah, no. I'll give you some Sierra Nevada. Yes. Yeah. I, I just put down Summerfest in case you wanted it more specific. Summerfest is a good call. Yeah. I like Summerfest. It's not year-round, though, so it's like That's we're true. at a bar in fucking January. You can't, you can't, can't get it, yeah. You are desperately craving a snack to go with your movie at the theater, but they are out of popcorn. What do you order instead? I think you order the nachos. I order, and this is actually going to be my guess for you, I order what every red-blooded American should order, a soft pretzel. You know... Do you have pretzel? No. Ah, shit. Because I went, I went off of our local movie theater. Oh. Who don't have? But there are movie pretzel. theaters that do. There are do. movie theaters that have it. If I had thought about that, right? I, you know what? I'm gonna give you the point because I didn't think about that. So, right. That, if I could choose, if I had like an infinite concession set, like everything if you, you might see in the movie. you were just at blank movie Fuck, yes. theater where soft this pretzel, is, these are damn. things that most movie theaters have. have. Yeah, soft, soft pretzels. Soft pretzels in the repertoire. That is, yes. And that's what I'm getting. That is 100% that, what if, if there isn't popcorn, I'm give especially because if there isn't popcorn there, then I'm already wanting savory, not sweet. Yeah, that's true. You know? Yeah. And so, uh -huh. I did originally write, so this is a... Uh, Wait, you said nachos. I did think I guess of nachos. nachos yeah. It was the first thing in my head of like. But again, I was yeah, I was thinking of what we have so in our I movie theater. I double scratched. I I well, I single scratched, but I had double thoughts. So I, I originally, you can see, I wrote Junior Mints because I immediately thought of candies. 
You have Junior Mints. At, junior at, Mints is at a our great... local movie theater. If they don't have popcorn, right. I'm gonna get Junior Mints. But like you said, that's because they but don't. They specifically don't have soft pretzels. You were wise. If if it was something that no, it has to be at movie theater we go to mm-hmm. in your in our town. You're right. If you would have brought up to me, oh, they don't have soft pretzels. Oh, well, I'm getting nauseous because I want savory. So do I, I get a point? I'll give you a point. All right. I'll give you a point because of the, the mind frame that you, that was going on that, like, if we were together at a movie mm-hmm. and I walk up, I'll hit those junior mints, but I would eye those pretzels or those nachos and be like, oh, you got no pretzels. You got no fucking, I want savory. I don't yeah. want sweet. I want savory. Like, this yeah. is, this is my bag. Always, I'm always. Yeah, because you're a more savory. I am. Because I thought so about just asking savory. the question. Like at first, I thought of like, oh, I should put on there. What's your favorite candy? But I'm like, he's not a big sweet guy. I like you not candies. Yeah, but you're not like a sweet. I like the sour candy. You don't. Uh, that's the other yeah. thing I was thought about. Like, ooh, maybe he would get sour patch. But then I'm like, you know what? He's gonna get something. He's gonna want like actual something heavy. He's gonna want not. But you don't have a sweet tooth the way I do. Like where I've got like a candy fucking drawer. You know, like I'm yeah. like Liz Lemon, like that shit. Where I've got yeah. secret candy stashed everywhere. Oh yes. So this one was actually taken from. The newlywed game. This is one that, that actually, actually was, on was asked on there. You and your best friend get in an argument. Who apologizes first? So this is one I think that we can both just say who does it first and reveal. It should be one of those things where we both know who apologizes first. Right, yes. I said no Me. one. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> that... Jesus. <laughs> what is your favorite Mel Brooks movie? I'm going to ask first, your favorite Mel Brooks mm-hmm. movie, right? Yes, what do you think it is? I'm going to say Young Frankenstein, because I already know you know what mine is. Producers? I said Space- Spaceballs. Spaceballs is my favorite. My guess... Uh, you know what mine is. History of the World Part 1. You oh, don't do- know. Lazy. Oh. That's the best one. It's the best Mel Brooks ever. It's the best car. <laughs> what is your best friend's favorite TV show? What is my favorite TV show? Oh, I thought I was supposed to write down my favorite TV show. No. Oh, no, you are. Yeah, so I'm trying to guess what your... Yeah, and I'm going to guess you, what yours is. Yeah, your yours is... You're going to... You know what? Here's the thing. You're probably going to have put, like, The Wire or something there, but I'm going to... If you're honest with yourself, it's yeah. always sunny in Philadelphia. Yes. And I am. Um, now... I've mentioned mine here, several times. Can you remember what it is? Firefly. Correct. Okay. Yes, okay. there we go. See, that was one where I was actually... I was leading, because I knew yours was Firefly. And so, like, this is why I wanted to do, like, the joint thing, because... I felt like they had, mm. if there were some questions like that, they were kind of leading, like, what's your favorite show? But getting always, it always something actually took me a while, because I almost said, like, Carnival or some drama. I thought about, I was like, no, I was like, it's uh, always sunny. It I was is. like, it could be The Wire, it's, it could be Rome, it could be Carnival, right, right. but if he's honest with himself, yes, it's always You're sunny. absolutely right. And I, I finally did get that honesty with myself, because to the listeners... And it's very kind of disturbing because how much they yell over each other in the show and all the stuff, but 
That is literally what puts me to sleep every night. I'll put on <laughs> an episode of Always Sunny and I just, I like drain out. And um, in college, we would have White Russian Wednesdays. Every Wednesday, we watch The Big Lebowski and drink White Russians. Mm-hmm. And it became like so background. And there's these amazing comedy things that it's like I want to absorb it through osmosis. Like right. always around me and just getting the small nuances slowly. And then it, anyways. You get to commit a crime, no punishment, no no retribution, no consequences, you get away completely 100% scot-free with this crime. What crime do you commit? So I gotta answer what crime you're gonna commit. You're trying to guess what crime I would choose to commit. The death of Zach Brown. No. Ah. It would have been Ethan Hawke. God damn it. But I can't, just can't bring myself to stoop to, to his level. I said I would steal a bunch of money from CEOs and give it to a charity. I think you would kill for. I'd want to steal pieces of art. You have fucking like Saturn devouring his children by Goya in your fucking house. That's my bag right there. I would much rather have that experience. It's so funny. It's like there's there's no vendetta. You argue against. You get very politically heated. Oh Jesus! So. Okay. Your state lately has been very, very politically aggressive. I, so I thought, like, maybe you just like, I, fuck it. I'm doing it. Okay. Um, my last one. If your best friend was an Avenger, which one would he be? Now, this is core MCU Avengers, the top six. And we should specify, this is not whose, like, powers or life we would choose. No. This is... Who we think we are. Who we think we we right. most are like. Right. If, if it was like, okay, we have these six slots here. What pig do you fit in? You're there. Yeah. This is you. So, um, should I guess first? I'm going to guess first. Iron Man. I think you're Iron Man. You think I think of myself like I would pick Iron Man? No, I think I you think. are Iron Man. I wrote down what I think, which Avenger I think I would be. Yeah. And, and you would disagree with that. Yeah, no, I wrote, I said Hulk. You think you're Hulk? I would think of myself as Hulk. Interesting. Yes. See, because I see you as Iron Man. I see you as like, you know, you're with the tech, running the tech, the little like sassy quips every once in a while. Obviously, you're not a Playboy millionaire yeah. or anything like that. But like, you have the heart, but also you got kind of like quick jabs and clever witticisms. I can see that. I'm gonna say you would you put Thor. You're Thor. Jovial. You are. You do you love a good drink, a good fight. You are half right. Fat Thor. <laughs> <laughs> you oh. look at me. Do I get the point? You definitely get the point. You look at me, and this is this is Fat Thor. This is what happened to Fat Thor. <laughs> Stupid long hair, fucking big old mess of a belly, big ass weird beard. Boisterous, very uh, big personality. Another! Yeah. yeah. All right. I have my answer and I don't question, what the question is. Question, like, <laughs> you're like, what the fuck is this? Exactly. Question 5B. You've been hired. You're going to get paid an hourly rate and all expenses covered to spend a week in Paris acting as the tour guide for one of that most famous of TV groups of friends, the Golden Girls. Which one do you choose? You've got to you've got to drive and Miss Daisy them around. Okay. Around, no, I uh, thought Paris. about this. I thought about this hard, and I'm going to both um, give my answer and give my guess at the same time because I feel like it's the only 
Wait, no. You, I, I have to see if I can guess yours, though. So you can't tell me what your answer is. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. So do you want me to guess first? Yeah, why don't you guess first? I'm going to guess Dorothy, because she's going to want to do the very cultured things. She's going to want to go and see appreciate all the art at the Louvre and see the see the architecture and stuff. And that was, like, one of my first thoughts. But... Um, just like, you know, oh, yeah, the culture thing and do the wire or carnival or one of these culture shows. Like, no, it's the fucking just go for the best one. And the best one, Sophia. So you have to go. And that's my guess, because that's the only appropriate you, answer. You're goddamn right. It's, Sophia. <laughs> it's the only appropriate answer. <laughs> Sophia is the fucking best. She's like, it doesn't matter if you're doing something terribly boring or awesome she's gonna be the best to be around and that's who you have to be with oh yeah see dorothy dorothy's gonna want to do that stuff but it's like dorothy of the other three yeah she is the first one it's gonna be a very formal week sophia it's is gonna, gonna be, be up for some that's shit the thing is that like uh, she'll she's she'll be down to dorothy do some is shit. gonna be exhausting dorothy yeah. is gonna try to like Get all of the exhibits done. Yeah, she's gonna try, try to see every try to have everything pinpointed. She's gonna try to get it from every angle. And like Sophia, is yeah, Dorothy's gonna have, like, like I said, whatever you're doing, like if you're doing the really cool scene of art, or you're just fucking laughing at some goons at the fucking food court, Sophia is the one you want to be around yeah. all the time during that show. Yeah. Well, and I feel like like uh, Dorothy's gonna have an itinerary. Yes. Sophia's, exactly. if you're like, oh, there's a little tiny hole in the wall, you know, cafe we should go to and like yeah. have some beer. Sophia's gonna be like, fuck you. Yeah. Anyways, um, Scoremaster, what, what, what say you? Who gets to do the, uh, uh, lost by one point. With a score of five, Eric the Troubadour, the Oklahoma kid, six. Okay, well, let's, uh, take a little breather and then we will, um, I think we'll come back with the tournament. Yeah? I yeah. Think that's the, the next step. So, uh, soup's on, people. Some unnamed month madness. And the days went by Like paper in the wind Everything had changed Then it changed again It's hard to find a friend It's hard to find a And we're back. <laughs> so <clears throat> we're getting to, I like to call it the Gruesome Twosome Tournament. That's my working title right now. All right. Um, so this segment has a bibliography. <laughs> uh, this is from GamesRadar.com. And in particular, it was... George Marston published March 31st, 2020, came up with this article, 10 Best Superhero Best Friends of All Time. And I thought we could take them, we, we threw out two, and actually let's, let's talk about that. This was a list of 10 that he did on theirs, but we had to bring it down to 8 mm. to do a double bracket tournament. You can't do 10, really. Yes, there'd have to be bye weeks and shit. Yeah, just a bunch of nonsense. Maybe it would be more of a round robin on a double bracket, you know. I you guess. You could do a round but... robin into a double. It 
bracket, maybe. It's again, it's, yeah, just that's just too much, just, right? Just. So we just cut two of them, and one of them in particular, I'm not too happy about. Number four, pretty high up on the list too. Mm-hmm. Human Torch and Spider Man. Yeah, not really what I would think of. It was a forced relationship they did, but not necessarily either part of their original origin stories or anything like that. Like, they didn't meet each other before they got their superpowers or stuff like that, you know? like. Well, and it's like, you you say, like, oh, best friends, Spider-Man and Human Torch, and it's like, like, you say that to me and all I think of is that super cheesy old uh, cartoon that was on when we were, like, five. Well, you know, the, where with the really bad animation, you know. The other thing is that Human Torch is already part of the Fantastic Four. Four, yeah. And so he already like are, are you're saying he's a better friend with uh, Spider-Man than his brother-in-law or Ben Grimm's who we're going to talk about later, uh who is a uh, you know, always going into space and having amazing <laughs> um, adventures with and something yeah. like that. Like, Spider-Man and Human Torch don't do a lot of stuff together if they do anything together. Yeah. Um, saving the universe. Yeah, that's usually with your sister, your brother-in-law, and yeah. uh, Ben. So yeah. those would be much better friends, probably. You would think, yes. <laughs> um, the other one... And- I, I guess I have to claim a lot of ignorance on this one. I don't know a lot about it. You seem to think it was a, a good decision, though, for me to cut The Beast and Wonder Man. That was the other... Uh, of the ten, we had to chop two. And mm. this was the second we had. Which I, I decided to chop, because it seemed the least. Yeah. I think this is something, if I'm remembering what they said in the article and stuff, this kind of falls in that, like, there's kind of a gap year kind of thing going on for me. Like, like I know the classic stuff, and I've read a lot of the old classic mm-hmm. issues, you know, in collections and stuff. And then and then also, you know, the um, from when I was a kid, you know, the stuff that was contemporary there, you know. Right. So that kind of, like, 70s era right. is an era of comics that, like, that's probably, the th- like, the time of... See, the, where I've read the least stuff from. But this you know? is the thing that you said to me where, oh, you're reading this wrong. But oh, yeah. the sentence itself is, um, Hank McCoy and Simon Williams fostered mutant and human relations as a pair of swinging super bachelors famous for their nights out on the town when not saving the world alongside Earth's mightiest heroes. So, like, whatever swinging may be and swingers and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, they're still, they're bachelors, they're out on the town. Right. There's a lot of, like, stuff about, and I don't know that much about Wonder Man, so I guess that's just not visioning, but, Mm -hmm. like, I I don't know, friendship, like, okay, let's get to our tournament. We're going to start with first seed versus eight seed, because it's going to be super easy, and it's really not much of a question. Now... This is another one, though. Pretty fucking obscure characters. Oklahoma, you did some googing on it. Like, what's going on with Quantum and Woody? This is not something most people know about. Quantum and Woody are a superhero duo uh, in comics published by Valiant Comics. So a little bit lower down the totem pole. I do not exclusively read... Marvel and DC Comics. I read all kinds of indie comics and and small press comics. But I almost exclusively read Marvel and DC for superhero comics. 
Sure. So it's like if it if it's a superhero thing outside of Marvel or DC, that I probably don't know that much about it. You know. Right. So this is something like I said, I had to like be like, who the fuck are they? Right. And look it up. So and they are up against the powerhouse of the tournament. Um. Well, I will say not infallible, but if there's they are the dynamic duo. They are, they are the. This is the smart money, man. This is. Yeah. This is. They. 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 They're Duke, in you know mm-hmm. the '90s or whatever it was when they were just like always the number one seed, always mm-hmm. unbeatable. You know, they're they're the ones to beat. I don't think they're quite dream team. You no, but they're I mean? the smart money. It's not like when the U.S. dream team, like oh no, you all are gonna have your basketball teams, but we're gonna have every great basketball player ever mm-hmm. of any generation. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to have Jordan and Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. and mm-hmm. <laughs> This is a real um, David and Goliath situation. And David doesn't have any rocks for his sling. Quantum... Quantum and Woody, Woody can just not beat the number one I'm seed. I'm not saying you're bad, but also I don't care enough about you to really try to give a fight and give a fuck. So, of course, sorry, Batman and Robin, you're going to be Batman and Robin, the number one seed, of course, get the first win of the tournament. Um, why don't we stick on that side of the bracket, though? All right. Next one. Oh, and this... So, so... In my opinion, sometimes some of the like wild card games are some of the most interesting games. More than a Super Bowl, more than all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. This is really where the interesting stuff is going on. And I didn't realize they were going to have to face each other. So this is Booster Gold and Beetle. Blue Beetle. Blue Beetle. Sorry. Against... Reed Richards and Ben Grimm. Mr. Fantastic and Thing from Fantastic Four. So I will, again, play dummy in ignorance. I do not know enough about Booster and Beetle. Oklahoma, you are very passionate about these, <laughs> this duo. Yes. So I want to hear a selling point because I told you earlier, for me... Yeah, I'll lay mine out first, and then you come in and you tell me about these cats. For me, of actual friends, best friends, these two have the story. Like, they have, like, this history. The only reason why Ben Graham was up there in the first place, because he was Reed Richards' best friend. They were best friends from the fucking block. He mm-hmm. Ben was the one who looked after Reed because Reed was a fucking little book nerd kind of kid and Ben was part of the Yancey street gang, right? Mm-hmm. He was part of the streets. He was in the hood, you know? Mm-hmm. He, he'd look after him. It was almost, you know, like a big brother kind of feel between them, but they were just friends and good mm-hmm. friends. And uh, I always felt as well like they complete each other because, of course, Reed Richards is insanely intelligent and anything that the thing is thinking Reed Richards is already like five chess points ahead of him but Ben was always Reed Richards heart like there would be times where Ben would have to tell him okay in your mind you're right but the right thing to do is this Mm -hmm. because that's what you should be thinking in your heart 
Yeah. And that always gave Reed Richards that perspective. And for me, it, it is one of the dark horses to beat in the tournament. I, I, I love that relationship between those friends. I really do. It is a very strong contender. Here's what I will say about Blue Beetle and Booster Gold. Booster Gold and Blue Beetle are these two dudes who are just doofy-ass dudes who have also managed to become competent superheroes. <laughs> this is just a goofy, adorable bromance. Ah, uh, I do love the bromance. Oh, so this is my thing, though. Mm -hmm. They're like... Like you said, Cinderella stories, sweet little fucking things. We'd love to see them go, but like, ooh, I feel like it can make a lot stronger case for them against Batman and Robin compared to Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. Like, I the that may be the Dragon Slayer is fucking thing in Mr. Fantastic. Yeah, I'll give it to you. It really is. I All think right. it's the only thing that could be a real contender against Batman and Robin. All right. Moving to the East Conference. Um, what do we got here first? Um, All right, let's start off. Number four and number five. It's a whole lot of green going on here because we've got Harley and Poison Ivy. Only Poison Ivy's green there. Right. But they're going up against Green Lantern and Green Arrow. Right. Well, um, I pointed kind of something refreshing is uh, this is Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn is the first uh, female-centered dynamic duo in the tournament. Well, I will say about this against Green Lantern and Green Arrow is that, I mean, they're convenient, nice set pieces and stuff and convenient people to put together mm -hmm. and form a friendship about, but they aren't necessarily like the way that Reed and Ben are integral to their origin story. Yes. And again, not stuff that I'm like super, super familiar with, because this, sure. this also really falls uh, in that, that gap of the 70s. But uh, so this one in particular, and the whole thing was it was like they were like traveling around America, yeah. like being like free Roman superheroes. You know, Green Lantern, it was Hal Jordan, Green Lantern. Yeah. Uh, who's a military man, Air Force, and Green Arrow, Oliver Queen, who is flaming liberal. So they're doing kind of like a crossfire thing where you got, like, this hard conservative and hard liberal and they're getting at each other sometimes. A little bit, yes. Okay. Yeah. The, the thing that kind of gets me about the... And this is more of a premise thing. Like, I, I, I can't really talk too much of a you know, the storylines and that kind of stuff that they were doing with Green Lantern and Green Arrow. But what it reminds me of is they did this sketch in um, that Mitchell and Webb look, mm -hmm. right, with the peep show, uh, David yes. Mitchell and um, Webb. And I thought it was a funny bit. Um, the idea would be that you have this, like, duo, right? Mm -hmm. And David Mitchell's character was like this you know, Olympian-looking god who could, like, throw out of his staff lightning bolts and make things levitate, stuff like that. And the web character was good at BMX. 
and like would always get jealous because like the godlike character would do all this cool stuff and like his thing was BMX. Like, can we have a BMX centered victory here? Like and it's it's kind of the joke that is made a lot about Hawkeye, why he's shit on so much. It's that's for me like that's the difference between Green Arrow and Green Lantern. Like Green Lantern can make whatever the fuck he wants to with his mind and his ring. Yeah. And this arrow thing, that's that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much you could really be true friends with somebody like that, you yeah. know? I, I really think that Harley and Poison Ivy is is the one to move on. I agree. But you you get what I'm saying. Like yeah. Harley and Poison are like friends on an equal playing field yes. and there's like fun going on. Like I said, they complete each other. It's this yin and yang, weird little fun, yeah. cool thing. And there's this weird power discrepancy with those two. Last Our of last the great eight, the Captain America and Falcon. Going up against number seven seed, Iron Fist and Luke Cage. Okay, so um, we talked a little bit before, and I don't know if that stuff was going to make cut, but it is an interesting choice about not using um, Winter Soldier. And it's paid a lot more attention in the comics about that friendship and mm -hmm. it, you know, having a lot more importance. And also, you know, I think... What's important to keep with that as well is that in the comics, they weren't sure if they just wanted to make Winter Soldier a straight good guy. Like, hey, yeah. we can deactivate him at any time and make him a bad guy again and bring some exactly. more interesting dynamics back for our purposes of drama. You know what I mean? Exactly, yeah. So um, it's a choice the MCU made, and it does demonstrate that friendship a lot more yeah. whereas in the Marvel comics they want to have that Falcon option. was a much better friend yes Falcon. to Captain America had a yeah. much longer much richer friendship than Bucky ever really had um, in the comics at least yes there's also the significance of it's it's Captain America and his best friend's a black guy like so you no, know, that, that all the colors of the rainbow, you know? That meant a lot. And I think that was something particularly... Cap's all about civil rights. The, the, the first time that was used... God, it may have been the 60s, but I feel like it's the 70s. In the 40s, they didn't have... No, no. Right. No, this would so, have been this would have been like yeah. Sixties would have been the very earliest. Earliest, yeah, when Cap came uh, back. Yeah. But I believe seventies is probably closer to where the Falcon and Captain America. And then as well, I, I think it is I was happy that for the end of the Thanos shit that they had Cap give the shield to to Sam. Oh yeah. Like that was how it was supposed to go. Exactly. Like, yeah. That's that's what's supposed to happen, you know. And for a while, you were like, oh, you could give it, you could give it to Bucky. Yeah. You could give it to Bucky. You know, Bucky would have been a pretty big badass. The place Bucky was at, which was met, has made Bucky fucking really endearing and mm -hmm. close, I think, to the audience heart. Bucky would have said no. Yes. He would have turned it down. So it was almost like Cap knew that, and his hand, his his hand was forced. Like even if he, Not even if he wanted though. to, like he knew the right choice was Sam. But even if he knew if he wanted to give it to Bucky, Bucky would turn it down. 
So it's like, it's gotta be Sam then. My, he's forcing my hand here. Like, I, I, I can't fucking snub Sam in front of him and then have, you know, him be the consolation prize. <laughs> like, I gotta do this as a one big gesture, not, yeah. you know, that kind of fucking song and dance. Okay, so for me, yeah, this is the number two seed, and I mm. think rightfully so. There does need to be some pretty strong arguments where, at least for me personally, and uh, you're much better at the mythology of the comics than I am, but like, if I had to put a best friend Luke Cage, I bitched about it earlier and it's stupid and cheesy, but I would actually say Jessica Jones, his fucking wife. That's his best friend. That's the one who like gets him. You, you, uh, but I'm gonna play that card. I said it. I you did. said earlier I, that it shit doesn't different. count for what but we're talking I about. I didn't ever see that same kind of relationship of tenderness and maybe I'm not reading the right stuff. Maybe I'm not seeing the right stuff. Like Iron Fist and Luke Cage, it wasn't an immediate like, oh yeah, of course they're best friends. I know they're in the same uh, close knit universe. Well, again, but it's, a, it's another thing. This is this is another one of these duos that the real like the real establishing of this friendship is uh, from like that seventies era. There was an actual that they shared again, just like there was a a comic. Mm. It wasn't like it, instead of having. These, this is Green Lantern's comic, and then this is Green Arrow's comic. They put them together as a duo. In the 70s, it was they there was a comic book series, Iron Fist and Luke Cage. Uh, they were the heroes for hire. You know, he was a, he was the new agey dude, and he was he was the the Black Panther dude. You know, oh. not that Black Panther, but the Black Panthers. Uh, kind of the thing. one that the NRA are scared about. Exactly, he's he's the strong black <laughs> brother from the block, you know. So again, doing something that uh, similar to the Captain and uh, Falcon. Yeah. Uh, interesting, they came up against each it other. It is in interesting that the interracial friendships was... have to go against each other. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta say, Cap. I gotta say, Cap. Is that what your heart says? Yeah. That's what my heart says. The semifinals. I think we need to go uh So we've come east to the semifinals. Division first. We'll go East Division first. We got Captain America and Falcon versus Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy. And this is gonna be a repeated grievance I have here because I feel similarly with um Batman and Robin. There is a dynamic a age dynamic, a wisdom dynamic. It's much closer to a protege mentor relationship. And mm -hmm. I would argue to a lesser extent with um, Captain America, but definitively with Batman. Yeah. There's a surrogate father. Yes, there's yes, there's a surrogate on. father. And I'm gonna hold true to what I said uh, at the intro. That's a different friendship. That's a different love. That's, mm -hmm. the, you know, your your surrogate son is not the same thing as your best friend. Yes. You know, and, and I think Cap's real best friend is Bucky. Steve Rogers' real best friend is Bucky Barnes. That's, that's the real best friend. That's the one that... Because part of the best friend thing is that like you saw me young at my weakest like and you you you've been along you formed me to 
to where I'm at right now, you know? Not just that, like, oh, when I was a badass and had a bunch of things to teach, you were around, and so I got to teach you a bunch of stuff. Like, that's that protege mentorship. I feel like Harley and Poison Ivy have a more pure friendship that between the two of us, we make a whole being kind of thing. You know what I mean? If we're just talking about friends, what it means to be a friend, I got to give it to Harley and Poison. I have made this argument already with Reed Richards and and Ben Grimm, and I've already thrown it down with the way they need each other and the way that they are as friends, as a relationship, that they complete each other and they make each other better. They make each other better. And not in a sense of like, like with your child, oh, he taught me a new way to look at the world the way that Batman would look at Robin. Oh, his naivety gave me this certain perspective. It's like, no, I wouldn't have been able to mature the way that I am without him. And that's what a friend is. That's what a best friend is. It's not surrogate child mentor-protege relationship. Since we were talking about not just duo, but friends. friends. And it is in the title of the I thing. am, yeah, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you Reed Richards, Ben Grimm coming out of the number six spot to go to the final. Yeah. Because uh, Batman and Robin, no matter which Robin we're talking about, there is a heavy aspect of Dude. not only the mentor, but the surrogate father. So now we got to the finals. Now, here's where I'm going to disagree with you. With Ben and Reed. Ben and Reed are a very classic friendship. He's what the is, nerd. What is Poison Ivy's real name? Because Harley Quinn was literally Harley. Harleen Quinzel. It is Pamela Isley. Ben and Reed Richards are that classic. He's he's a genius. He's got the street smarts. You yeah. Know? Very, yeah. very classic archetypal dynamic there. And they do complement each other well. It's those two, two complementary flavors is what they are. They are peanut butter and chocolate. Harley and Ivy are two elements that create a molecule. Like, they fucking need each other. Harley and Ivy are like two sides of like an arch that are like, you take out the bit between them and they they collapse. Ben and Reed are such good friends, but if one were to die, the other one would still... I mean, they would have their grieve or whatever, Mm -hmm. but they would still pretty much be unchanged going forward. Yeah. Whereas with Harley and Poison Ivy, the elimination of one would have off-kilter the whole fucking thing, mm-hmm. and the other one would be in a tailspin. Yes, that's what I, how I feel. Right. Like, that's the relationship I get out of that, and that's... So, but then we have to really ask is, like... Ugh. But is that a is that kind of dependency <laughs> something we should be promoted as friendship? <laughs> is this what we want to say? Is, yeah, no. If you, if you want to kill yourself because the other person isn't there, yeah, that that's real friendship. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, I get what you're saying, and I think there's there's definitely a more romantic compared to stoic friendship that we're talking about Mm -hmm. and which one means more. I think ultimately I would like to believe that the more romantic 
and I'm not saying romantic as in like sexual. I'm saying like a romance, a romance not no, not um romantic is in the way that uh, like gothic romantic or like something like that, like a a belief in these um spiritual connections. The these. This isn't about stoicism and, you know, um, a world of magic, a world of um, Keats and Byron, the romance poets, right? Mm -hmm. They were called romantics. Yes. So that interpretation of Of a romantic friendship compared to a stoic friendship. For me, that's the divide we're talking about. The the idea of there almost being these hidden magical forces or some kind of other thing forcing it. Ultimately, I do want to pursue that side more. I've always been more drawn to the romantic. I've always been more drawn to the magical and the mystical and the um, small connections where, yes, it would drive you nuts. That that best friend is gone. Even if it borders on the frantic, that is a more meaningful relationship than something built purely out of logic. So I guess my vote's going to be for Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy. Reed and Ben fit together, but Harley and Ivy balance each other out. Right. And that's why it also gets my vote, making it... No, um, but I think I, I want to sit there and um, stew a little bit on that, that comment because I, I think that's important because I think there is sometimes... You have friendships where it's like, yeah, all, all the logistics are here, all the things are. But then you have other friends where it's like, they're my counterweight. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sitting here spinning, and they offer something to make me spin more even. Mm-hmm. You know, they're a counterweight yeah. to me. Whereas, not only is it like, this all makes sense and everything like this, is actually like, what it reminds me of is... um. The big sharks that will swim along and they have these feeder fish, mm-hmm. you know, f- fixing everything up for them. Or like the crocodile who's got the, the bird, bird the teeth. cleaning out. It's like this symbiotic relationship yes. where it's like without the other one, I'm off kilter. And it's even like more than that when it comes to friendship sometimes. But yeah, I think the counterweight, like I am this level of crazy, the opposites attract kind of thing sometimes is very apt. Like I am this kind of crazy. And if I don't have this counterweight then I'm going to spin out of control. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be, you know, in the same way that um, sweet and salty fit together and those kind of things like Mm -hmm. you need that counterweight in order to make a good uh center force if you will yeah right big winner harley and ivy on behalf of you guessed it folks the ladies of duke i almost feel like i almost feel like we should have given we should have instead of that fucking quantum and woody sorry valiant comics but not not a not a hardcore fan there uh, we should have thrown out Quantum and Woody and made the number eight seed Deadpool and the person who is reading Deadpool. <laughs> Soup's on. When the road
So welcome back. <laughs> welcome back. Did I explain the premise earlier? I don't think we I did. We did explain the premise earlier, but... Uh, oh, in the intro, but we haven't yeah. we haven't done it in this segment. So, just the basic idea is that you're going on a road trip with your best buddy. You are the passenger, and you're supplying the music. Your best buddy is the driver and does have ultimate control over the radio. They get to veto any It's choices. important. That's, that's an important part yes. of it. So, it can't just be like, these are my favorite songs. My best buddy's going to fucking deal with it. It's got to be songs that you all are going to be very happy with. We're going to need to tally and have points being taken if, if someone's like, at any time while the other person's playlist is happening, someone can raise their hand and say, I'm going to skip, right? There has to be that kind of right idea. We said an hour road trip. I came in a little under. And I, we've, I think we've talked about that already. Yeah. I think, Oklahoma, you wanted to go first on this one. Sure, I'll go first. And I also thought about the fact that this was an hour-long road trip. Yes. So I approached it not just like a list. I approached it as like, this is a mixtape. What order do I put them in? Okay. For the, you know, and which ones fit the idea? Like, we're driving for an hour. So it's not a super long road trip. It's not like a, you know, 12-hour Right. Ride, you know? No, it's, it's, when you think about it, most albums are between like 12 and 16 songs, mm-hmm. right? It's about an hour. The, that 12 to 16. So you're basically making an, an album of mm-hmm. mixed songs. My list comes in, like I said, I went a little over. Better safe than sorry. It's an hour and four minutes. Yeah. 20 seconds. Start things off with a classic. Beatles Day Tripper. Plus, Day Tripper, ah, fun. You're going on a road trip. Yeah, no, 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 well, for sure. I saw that immediately. Um, so, okay, good start, for sure. The Beatles, you can't go wrong, but also of the Beatles song, Day Tripper, good. Follow that up with. People by Pulp. Yeah, and that's my fucking jam right there. That's just my jam. Like, and fucking, I love Pulp, fucking love all their shit, and like, yeah, that one, frankly, 
Beatles is a prelude to that for me getting pumped. You know what I mean? Like the, the Beatles, I love that song, really, really cool. But like, if you put that one in the first position, that would be like, okay, now we're getting shit. I thought about but it. That would be so much, it would be so tailored to me. And the whole thing is that like, it isn't supposed to be necessarily tailored to me. It just needs to have the fact that you can't piss me off. <laughs> you know, like you can get away with whatever went, you want to. Like, I went as with, long like, as it's a cool song, stuff. it could be Zappa, who I know I went, you love. You I, know? Went, I went with things that I know you've heard, and I went with one that, yeah, kind of uh, that we uh, that I think is stuff we both can agree on. And I also leaned into the idea of like this is a road trip mix. Like yeah. this is not just we're throwing on the stereo while we're chilling and drinking beers. Like this is we're doing this. Well, we're on a road trip. The road. The, the pulp is fucking on point. So. On point. So track oh, three, one I, I I'm this, See, my favorite okay. of this artist's song, uh, and and an artist I know you love. It's Bob Dylan, Subterranean Homesick Blues. A slap and a flower. The flower. It's actually interesting listening to pulp comedy people back to back with Subterranean Homesick Blues. There's some really interesting musical and content commonalities there, but I've never thought about doing those songs back to back, but actually it really works. The slap, that's so fucking pandering. You know I'm a fucking huge Dylan fan. You hate Dylan. Don't fucking, I like don't that try song. to shy away like for everyone. How much you fucking have shit on me about Bob Dylan, and then you're gonna throw in this fucking, in your mix. <laughs> oh yeah, I love Dylan now, and I'm gonna use this song. <laughs> Shame. Shame on your house. Is that a skip? No, not a skip. Of course not. I'm not gonna skip that. It's fucking Bob I Dylan. I thought it was a good... But it's fucking pandering. It is pandering. I thought it was a good choice for a friend's road trip. It is a self-sacrificing friend thing to do. It is, like... Can you really tolerate it, though? I like that Can song. Can you tolerate it? I genuinely like that song. You genuinely I like genuinely that song? I genuinely like okay. that song. All right. Number four... I was toting my pack along the dusty Winnemucca road When along came a semi with a high canvas covered load If you're going to Winnemucca Mac with me you can ride And so I climbed into the cab and then I settled down inside He asked me if I'd seen a road with so much dust and sand And I said, 
listen. I've traveled every road in this here land. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the deserts, bare man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I travel, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. I've been to Reno, Chicago, Fargo, Minnesota. Yeah, quintessential. I would not have that as a road, road tune. tune. You're right. Quintessential road tune. Five. A little bit in here, cause. <laughs> Just for the sake of the pun, we're in a car. But I also think I was thinking of things like, like I said, the common ground. Things we can both just be like, oh yeah, that is the fucking shit. And so I decided to throw, and again, like I was looking for things that really had some move to them, you know, like we're on the road. Right. Actually, we didn't put in on the road again, so. Crosstown Traffic, Jimmy Hendrix. Do you love that song, man? That's got some fucking vibe That's, to it, man. That is... It's got a vibe to it. I like know? that that one's got a real groove going on. Yeah, like, yeah. It's like... No, but it does funk have, starting to be born in but, there, But it's know? beautiful, and it's fucking... I think Hendrix is really underplayed for this, to, like, make a tone in a mm -hmm. song. Like, you got that, and then you got, like, Little Wing, and then you got, like, Castles Made of Sand, and, like, they're all doing these separate things. But, like, that one in particular... It feels like traffic. It's like you're you're building, and then you're stepping back. You're building, and you're stepping back. It's like he gets the tone of traffic for sure more than any other song I can think of. Crosstown Traffic has that most tone of what it's like being stuck in traffic. Yeah. Play it. Good. Oh, there's no skip there for me. Oh yeah. Follow that up with. Jurassic 5 
What's Golden, which we follow up with. This, you know, I found out is actually, I didn't realize it was a cover, uh, and I, I did look up who the person who, who did it, um, who wrote it and originally recorded it, and I, and I completely forgot, because I just know it as the Clarence Carter song, Patches. Yeah, the the drop-in of when the horns and the bass yeah. and the drums kick in, yeah. and then, uh, well, no, like, like, it builds towards that, like, where you, where you're talking about, like, for that moment that hits, and then it goes all the way up to that chorus, and then the strings boom, the kick strings in, kick ah, in. Yeah. fuck, man. Yeah, that is, that is a soul classic, So man. fucking so, good place, man. Yeah. Follow up that with a little bit of crazy neo-soul funk indie rock alternative. It's Sex Laws by Back. This video, huge fucking Jack Back fan, huge fucking Tenacious D fan, like, and I love, I think that was the point of connection and why mm -hmm. he was put in this video, but this video is bonkers. <laughs> it is amazing. It's so funny and fun and fucking awesome. It's like comedic gold there's like a real like improv feel about it you know oh, it's just it's just crazy it's like they, let's fucking do it this generation like it's remember um the spike jones it was it was fat boy slim song spike jones was outside this theater praise me praise you praise you yeah praise yeah you. with his like he did like right. an actual like flash mob thing like but before uh, that was like a big thing. It was, before, thing. Thing. It was yeah. before like the internet where this is all like handheld cameras and stuff like yeah. that. But like so weird and yeah. perfect and reminds me of this Beck this Beck video as well with yeah. Jack Black being it. And this was like before he was this big. was Jack yeah. Black. You know, this was uh, you know, just him being in the same th way of like Mr. Show, Odenkirk, uh David Cross, mm -hmm. like just 
beyond their fucking time comedic geniuses that were just in the LA scene at that time. Yeah. Well, I think it was actually one of those things where Beck, when he was doing his LA gigs, oh yeah, was having Solid the seen to open. Yeah. No, having like oh, having them actually open for him. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. They, I think I think they was getting to like when he got high fidelity and like he was getting to that mm. level where he was in those kind of fucking yeah. communities. I think, yeah. I think that's where we're at there. So that leads us into even more just, yeah, get crazy, get fun, and crazy videos. It's added, but I fucking found one that was on my list. Just go to the next God one. We're gonna talk classic. about it later. We're gonna talk about it later, you piece of shit. <laughs> Fuck you. Go to the next one. Next, threw on this. coming back to the list with a great cover. See, now we're getting to some of the harder rocking. So here's some Johnny Cash playing Rusty Cage, originally by Soundgarden. That's a personal favorite of mine. I don't know if I've ever heard that one. And, and when I started going, when ridiculous. I was looking up, I was reminded of it when I was looking up the Johnny Cash uh, been everywhere, which yeah. is what the, for the time was, and I'm like, oh, it was on that album too. And I was like, oh, I gotta work that in there. Yeah. No, that's a fucking... Big call, yeah. And then we're gonna go with people who are classic and going with some good rock out, good times. Another of my personal favorites from a particular artist. I'm gonna break my, gonna break my rusty cage and run. I'm gonna break, I'm gonna break my, gonna break my rusty. 
Suffragette uh, City from David Bowie. If you listen to that, like, and you're gonna go to like a fucking bar or something like that, like, you're fucking ready. You're just like, yeah, motherfucker. That is such a fucking pump up song right mm -hmm. there. Definitely. That's a getting out the door song. Like, you just leaving the door of your fucking car. It is a good like, one. That that's way, like, yeah. you're just coming out. Like, like you're coming that's in the, hot. I'm coming yeah. in hot, baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I follow that up. Now, you might think this is a little bit pandering, but just keep it in mind for later. But next up, we have... Another Bob Dylan song, All Along the Watchtower, the original version, the classic rock, continues. Also fitting in with the uh, road trip theme, some wordplay, Ramble On from Led Zeppelin. Yeah, no doubt. It's a banger. And once I was on the uh, classic rock kick, I decided to go ahead and throw this one in. Yeah. 
Bob O'Reilly uh, by yeah. The Who. Just another just great get pump song. Yeah, yeah. Now, you were concerned that I was being a little bit pandering by putting the second Bob Dylan song on there. So I put a third on. <laughs> no, I realized I had to add it in there once I decided that this had to be on the list. I thought, well, we'll put Bob in there with his original version because you you like him so much. Yeah. Because right now we're getting no, to... No, actually... Jimmy Hendrix. I was going to say, don't bother putting it on Bob's version, put it on Jimmy's version. Uh, I did yeah. both. In my opinion, one of the greatest songs ever, Jimi Hendrix covering Bob Dylan. Is on a short list, for sure. Now, this one may be the most questionable one on here, but once I went down the rabbit hole, I wanted to get this in there too. And it's got a little bit of the darker, darker tone to follow up. You know, like there's a there's a serious, there's a dramatic tone to all along yeah. the watchtower. So I thought that was the best place to try and sneak this in. Johnny Cash covering Personal Jesus by Depeche Mode. When he gets to the chorus, this is my favorite. Yeah. Down in touch, faith is like, oh shit! <laughs> yeah, he's he's got a almost ministerial, <laughs> yeah, you know. It's like some, it's like John the Baptist kind Revivalist of shit. Yeah. preacher. It's John the Baptist kind of shit. We're like, oh, he can fucking cleanse us all. Yeah. You know? Plus that, with that honky-tonk uh, piano backing oh, him up, too. So like, so that's just a, just a fun, like, curio one that I'm like, oh, we already had these Johnny Cash. Like, let, I got to get this in. You got to check this out if you haven't heard it. Oh, I've heard that one. It's funny. I hadn't heard the uh, Soundgarden one. And then we start to bring things really full circle. Speaking of oddities... Out and touch faith. Reach out and touch faith. Reach out and touch faith. 
reach out and touch faith Reach out and touch faith She came from Greece. She had a thirst for knowledge. She studied sculpture at St. Martin's College. That's where I caught her eye. She told me that her dad was loaded. I said, in that case, I'll have a rum and Coca-Cola. She said, fine. And in 30 seconds time, she said, I want to live like common people. I want to do whatever common people do. I want to This is the song Common People being covered by William Shatner and Ben Folds. How can I not include that bit of greatness? That is so meta in like... Yeah, that is meta. So layered in like... Yeah. I should be enjoying this ironically, but I'm enjoying it sincerely and ironically like at the same time. No, that's all days. Like, like I, I, I should probably press the fast forward button, but I know I won't. I know I I gotta watch the rest of that train wreck. And then also, I know that the train wreck sounds pretty great and better than most things ever. And, uh, shit. Thanks for putting that quandary in my life. <laughs> um, and then we bring it all home. Bring it all home. Definitely bringing it full circle. Back to the Beatles. It's a medley-ish thing. Short medley. It's, 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 it's not the back side of Abbey Road, no. right? Okay. Nowhere near that. It's the front side. Of Sergeant Peppers. Yeah, Not I get what you mean. I get what you mean. They, uh... Which transitions into this song, bringing home the the friends road trip.
So this is this goes into a little help from my friends by the Beatles. I do have a question for you. Is it the best version? Famous for the Joe Cocker version that many of well, us of our generation saw in Wonder I think Years. That maybe it, but yeah. here's the reason it's not on my mix. Because it is a it's a mellow and mellow, yeah, soul kind of thing, um, yeah. ballad. Right. He does it as it's a ballad. solo ballad. It's ballad for sure. This is the yeah. Beatles version. Is a sing along rock song. It's a good way to put a nice bow on the end of the Friends Road Trip. So Oklahoma, my list for you, I was worried about making it too specific road music. Like, I was worried, like, I would want to be like, okay, it's going to be uh, Willie Nelson on the road again. It's going to be King of the Road. I didn't want to make it road specific. Uh -huh. I didn't want the theme to be the road. I didn't want to make it road specific. What I really wanted out of it was a fun fucking mix of just mm -hmm. straight ballers and we just fucking bangers bang straight bangers just like fucking these are fucking awesome songs it's gonna get us fucking into a certain mood but also like have it be this whole complete thing like these are all fucking cool songs with a cool like energy in mm -hmm. between the two They're like it doesn't make sense that this ended up here but we did end up here through different artists sure. getting there okay the only place where I feel like I am maybe pandering a little bit, the way that you threw in a bunch of Dylan on your list, um, this is me definitely going towards, like, I know you like this song a lot, and I like this song a lot, too. But I think this is more of, like, you're a fan of this. But also, this is just a great fucking way to start a road trip like this is a fucking cool ass song to just get you in a move you're gonna we're gonna listen to it and you'll know what i'm talking about once it starts up the second it starts up you're like oh shit yeah now we're in some shit
it's a fucking baller beginning, right? Like, yeah, that's that's like, like, oh, okay, we're doing some shit here. Like, that's a good fun. start. That's yeah. a fucking Prince. awesome start. But it's just one of also my like one of those things and just, just get your body jazzed. moving, get yeah. jazzed. Like, oh man, we're we're we're, we're, we're doing some shit mm. now. Like, let's do it. Like, we're on, we're in it. We're in it, man. That's starting off. such a good song though too i was worried yeah move yourself to dance by daft punk but move yourself to, to dance by daft punk i was worried it was too dancey and too like you know are we starting a dance party in this fucking car together or something like that but it was my gut reaction right no, after it's a good, it's a good right after Prince. kiss okay so Again, keeping with that, like, nice, it's like, there's something a little laid back about it, but it's also got that get you in the groove feeling. Yeah, and that's definitely, at the beginning of the playlist, that's definitely the vibe. An artist that I was pleasantly surprised was on your list, mm -hmm. uh, and for me, this is their fucking banger. Like, yeah. this song is...
in the purse, guns blast and the hearse. A vast universe when the last is the first. The past been the curse, I need some aspirin to nurse. It's your casket in earth, but why ask when it hurts? A passionate verse, so some last minute work first. The human bodies are living fast in this dirt. Up in grass when it works, a vast in it work. But at last planet, the five giraffes in this verse. Fast in this verse, burning like gas on the torch. Grasping the force, so no see past they front porch. Mask in the smirk, no doubt my class been alert. Verbal splash for your first five giraffes in this verse. This giraffe finished first by Jurassic 5. Jurassic 5. Jurassic 5, you had Golden Age on. Very surprised that we didn't match up because for me, like, that's their fucking. That's my jam for their shit. Jurassic finished first, like, when it gets to the clarinet solo. Yeah. Oh, that's fuck a great little me. dub in, yeah. Yeah, when I heard that shit, I was like, fuck. I didn't know hip hop could fucking go this way. Like, fucking just the creativity of putting in the. Not only are we gonna put in just like dry piano and fucking strings and then we're gonna throw clarinet on that yeah <laughs> nothing ever i had heard before and it was amazing this is where we're going yeah with your life in the douche you invite many fools when you like chemicals night of the living fools your evil makes many fools you need to watch what you choose what you give is what you get some are lacking intellect in the quest for a check is it love or respect does the subject get you vexed only four bars direct the situation is complex but you in constant pursuit to be the last in the house where's your wallet with the white deep stashed in the blouse like without a doubt you can catch me on the b-side cause the one who wins the war is the one without pride j5 make you feel a little gaseous at first Martin Lawrence. and yes i make you ask is that lurch Get it right, your lyrical madness that works. Give your cash to the garage. Your ass finish first. The whole world, fucking my jam. It's a fucking banger. It is fucking tits. And then we go to. interesting would you skip this that's the whole thing would you veto would you move on not a bad song but honestly not at the level of the others I would be like um, maybe we'll circle back to this I think it was interesting the juxtaposition between the two also it got me to running
Curtis Mayfield. Guys, it's Jemima Mayfield. Oh, A Little Child Running Wild. But also that from like the Superfly soundtrack. Mm -hmm. So it's got also that like 70s cop. Yeah. Kind of feel, you know, like you're out on the town, you want to have like a big mustache and the aviator glasses. <laughs> and like, I think it's also great music. I fucking love Chris Oh, yeah. No, of course. Um, but this is where I go next. It was on your list too, uh, yeah. and I told you we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. Uh, but this is like I, I love putting it right next to the Curtis Mayfield Superfly, just that like '70s cop feel. But mm -hmm. we get it. I, I don't know if just people like who were born. Google the video, people. Earlier, Google right? the official music like, video. But the music video was so important too. Yeah. Like, but it, it was like you got finally why. Someone like the Beastie Boys did this song. It was a whole set piece kind of yeah. thing. It wasn't just because this wasn't their typical music. I mean, no, this was a little more atypical of. of they most did of rockers songs. and stuff like that, you know, but they didn't do straight up band rock kind of stuff. There was always some hip hoppy stuff there, and there, yeah. there isn't any rapping really in this song at all. No, it's a straight up punk song. And a fucking banger. Yeah, and a great one. <laughs> a fucking awesome song. Total classic. But I'm uh, never gonna say no to that. Those in the MTV generation know that they have this amazing music video. That's uh, themed around 70s cop shows, yes. Very Starsky and Hutch, if that means anything to you. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> They're not gonna know what MTV is. Let's mention Starsky and Hutch. That's what's gonna get them. <laughs> How do you follow that? This was, this started to become the thing. How do I follow that? Like, I'm going down these paths and like, I get the Beastie Boys, like, fuck. What am I gonna do from there? And every time I got into what am I gonna do from there, for some reason, I would find the thing that could get me out of it. Take the power back. 
Rage Against the Machine. No, that's a good call. Good call. But this Follow is one up. as well that like I try to match songs from like what the song's doing at the end mm -hmm. to what the next song is doing. gone to clutch elephant riders uh one of the best guitar riffs of all time in my opinion most of the end of this entire list it's like fucking these are some kick-ass riffs like <laughs> these are some shit like i want to play this like guitar i fucking love listening to this shit just some sick ass fucking riffs mm -hmm. like and yeah and it leaves me uh sick ass riffs and also, pleasantly surprised because you had not this song, but this artist on your list. Many more times. One of, I think, one of the most underappreciated Zeppelin songs ever, that one. Mm -hmm. Like, that thing got a fucking kick ass jam with it. It fucking just moves and it's fucking really good, but like, never gonna be in a greatest hits kind of thing. No, just, that's a deep cut. Well, speaking of artists that you've already put on the list, and I guess maybe more deep cutty kind of thing, but just fucking pitching ass riffs fucking cool ass songs and mm. a good reason to include them because they're fucking amazing.
Yeah, Jimi Hendrix, Manic Depression. That is a great fucking piece. It's a fucking great... Well... It's a great fucking riff, man. Yeah, great riff. Yeah. Classic riff. Well, I think the thing that really pissed me off about him and his fucking just innate talent and just fucking ridiculous mm -hmm. skill level. I think I saw this live version you just play in a concert or something like that. That entire song he didn't use his right hand. It was all, all just tapping. His tapping with his left hand. <laughs> like the whole fucking thing. Jesus. <laughs> it's like fuck. Fuck, man. Yeah. Fuck. Just you know. Now so where do we go from this there? This is the last song and so it's just one of those things where like if you don't enjoy it, then you're gonna skip it. Yeah, and I debated this one actually quite a bit. This is probably, of my choice, is one of my most debated because it, the riff kind of fits, tone, the music kind of fits, but it's also where everything, like, we're bangers, we're bangers. This one's just like a fucking awesome song. I love the musicality of it, but it is maybe a different vibe from just getting off of a grand trip or something mm -hmm. like that, uh, but just kind of like a general sweet appreciation of life. So this would be my last song on our road trip. Lovely day, a banger in my mind. It's a fucking great song, such a fucking cool song. It's a good song. It, it isn't like jiving as hard as the ones before it, and I feel like it's a little weird off tempo, but for me, this is the end of the road trip. And it, it kind of gives the sweet little bow and like, yeah, we had a good time. Even it was just us this road trip and the and the mix that we just, this hour we just shared with these songs. It's a lovely day for that. Yeah. But also hopefully the rest of our day is going to be a lovely day. We're fucking doing something fun together. This is all fun, lovely day. It's just ending on a sweet tone. I yeah. I thought that would be uh No, I dig it. It's uh, it very much like to me has the has a feel of like if this road trip was going to have a credit sequence. Yeah, like this is the song that's gonna play as the credits roll. Exactly. You know, on the story of this road trip. So I mean, that does work. It does make a good, nice. This is uh, the credit sequence. ending. That's that's a very cool way yeah. of thinking about it for sure. And I still want to say there is some like the way that dun 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 dun. In the baseline, dun 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 like I can see it. Right. Like I, I do love trying to get songs that are in the same wheelhouse musically. Mm -hmm. Like where it isn't the fact that we went from um Prince to Clutch 
to Bill Withers. Yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting journey. <laughs> That's what I said. We're going on a fucking journey. Yeah. Strap in. It's going to be a roller coaster. Nah, but I dug it. I dug it. It but works. But it would be a fun fucking fun road trip. trip tunes, right? Yeah. Definitely, I think Maya was more centered. We're going on an adventure, not just going to be uh, heading a mile so we can get the best salsa and then come back. Yeah. Thing, you know, like, we're going to, we're setting up our night for something fun, you know. And also, this is the adventure. Yeah. Like, even if this is the adventure and this is all we get out of the night, then fuck yeah. it. Yeah. You know. So important to start off on the Prince for me. Like, the note mm -hmm. you start off on. And I think that's... That's kind of his deal. I mean, he's like, we're going on adventure. Yo, yeah, yeah. Let's just fucking have some fun Just here. let it, you know. We're just going to let it fly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. If you want to go on a road trip with Oklahoma or Eric, <laughs> subscribe to our Patreon. <laughs> Oklahoma, I don't think, realize that I'm pimping us out. <laughs> Yeah, that one was not discussed at the last meeting. Is there any other tallies or I? I mean, this wasn't really for anything. We had a different number of songs, right? So I and and we already decided who's doing the lightning round. Who's so doing the outro? So we said about an hour, and then there's a plus or minus of five minutes. Yeah, so mine was traffic, all those kind of things. Mine was an hour and uh, four. Did minutes. anyone not make it? The hour. Oh, was, it, like, what are some things that left off? Was there a song that got cut where you'd have to be sitting in silence? Now, did you did you cut out the the Moby song? Yeah, I think if you cut out, yeah, Moby, I would skip on yours. Yes, I would skip Moby. That you was had the only one. Skip. Uh, yeah, one skip. And that would have been Moby, right? Yes. And my time was uh, fifty-eight minutes and fifty-two seconds total runtime. So three forty-four. I'm still within the plus or minus, 5508. There you go. Even though you, you got, got your Moby. You got your parking time. You got I your got parking, parking time quiet. My parking time quiet. Yeah. <laughs> Which is even more ridiculous because I don't need the quiet for parking time because I'm the passenger in this type of circumstances. You're yeah. like driving. That's why you get veto power over the songs. Yes. So, so now I've now I've given myself I unfortunately I've done this to myself. on you my parking zone quiet. Yeah. For it was all you it was all part of your nefarious plan. You're, you're just like I'll put in the one ringer I know he's gonna skip and then I'll win the fucking parking argument. We'll you know, talk about we'll talk about who can fucking parallel now. I was I was surprised you skipped that one. I guess I'm, I shouldn't have been when you kind of think of it. I'm not a huge movie guy. Uh, it is funny that yours, I think, was more true to the fact that, like, we're on the road. Yeah. Like, yours had that feel where mine was definitely just like, here's a bunch of cool songs. Like, it, it, there was no theme about, like, on the road or something like that. Like you said, mine was like, we're gonna go do something. And if we weren't doing something, something cool is happening right now. So, yay! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you're focused on the actual thing we're doing it's like as a father like we're doing something yay <laughs> I'm out of the house can you believe it <laughs> yeah just just being in the car is the adventure yeah no this, this is enough anything on top of this is awesome <laughs> but I'm just glad to be out of the house yeah <laughs> soup's on people
that prayer We thought they'd never end We sing and dance forever in the day We live the life with you We fight and never lose Welcome back <laughs> <laughs> we have to cut so many times. I do realize that uh, we'll be like chuckling and in a completely different moment. And then we're just introducing ourselves back to the audience. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> we were on a real tirade there. Welcome back. <laughs> How you doing? Last segment of our friends episode. Our last little game segment here. So we're we're list heavy. There had to be a list. There had to be movies. We talk a lot about movies. Um, my list suggestion was best buddy films. Now this is not best buddy cop films, although buddy cop films are available, right? Now we both made we made separate lists this time. We both have eight and a half. Well, and I felt like that was part of the fun. Is that you know. Usually there has to be negotiations and this, that, and the other. And there's, let's let people behind the curtain and uh, show them that yeah, we we oh we at one time religiously came up with that and then decided to whittle it down. It was like come up with too much content, whittle down to the really good stuff, and then you got something. Right. And I just think we need to just go full Monty on it, let them in on the process, and uh, we promise to not be mean contrived insulting and be yelling at the end of this list because this is about friendship this is about being here for each other let's get the half over actually first because the half usually goes towards the end and i feel like this was a real half where like because neither of us really had big strong opinions or really a lot of times the half is like this one got disqualified. Like, if Usain Bolt would have jumped up too quick two times the Olympics and got disqualified, like, mm-hmm. he would have been in the race. Right. But he got DQ'd. Yeah. Right? So, sometimes our halves come up like that. Should I throw out mine? Sure. Because we each ha- we each get a half now. That's the yes. fun part, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, mine was Turner and Hooch. Also Buddy Cop, right? Yes. Man's best friend. And um, I guess if you're talking like buddy film, it has to be about like the chemistry between these two characters. You don't think you don't think that he had chemistry with that dog? That's why it's my half. <laughs> That's why I want to accentuate it. Now, I do want to say the reason why it's my half because it's a dog. Yeah. You know, and that feels a little weird. There is this undeniable though chemistry because also. Tom Hanks is the lovable dog of humans. <laughs> like, he's that Labrador who comes up like, oh, man, you're so fun and cool and cute. Like, let's just hang out and have a good time. Like, he's uh, just this, you know. Yeah, I feel like that connection. And then you get a dog on the other side, which is amazing because dogs are awesome. And that one in particular, like, I do love the I don't like the the two obviously cute adorable the dog it had that kind of like boxer jowly kind yeah. of look i can't exactly remember what the exact breed was but um it was also a little muddy it was you know always dirty yeah mutt mutty oh mutty yeah yeah, probably, yeah. like it wasn't like a this purebred thing also i think part of me because there are other movies that were considered and in the running but i wanted to put it in the half 
as well just for like it does highlight that special relationship we have with our pets. If you're going to have a friends episode and talk about friendship and stuff like that. And we've talked earlier about how like there's a difference between your relationship with your kids and with your wife and with your parents. Like your relationship with your pet is the only other thing that even gets close to that kind of bond and that kind of spark and chemistry. Yes. that Right. I do feel like I could replace you with a pug. That is true. I feel like it wouldn't breathe like I did. <laughs> no, it would breathe much, much smoother. <laughs> Thank you for making that joke. That's exactly what I was looking for. You breathe so poorly, a pug would sound more smooth in his breath than you. <laughs> it's a Doge de Bordeaux. Oh... So that is funny. I didn't realize that's what it is, but like I was looking up, I just got in like a rabbit hole about looking up dogs and, um, you know, thinking about adoption and stuff like that. And just looking up all the different breeds and stuff like that. First, there's like already anything that has the word Bordeaux in it. I'm going to be honed in on. There are these stock dogs, like the way that the Pyrenees and stuff are, like these just amazing um, livestock dogs for uh, sheep in particular. So they're total work dogs, but they're like super loyal. What they remind me of is um, the old Looney Tunes cartoon where you had Ralph and Sam. That would be a dog de Bordeaux. And they look so fucking cool to me, too, with, like, the big jowly thing. And But they don't have, like, a super heavy pelt because that can be bothersome. You know, like the Aussie Shepherds and stuff like that. There's a lot of hair going around. Yeah. Like, fuck that. They, they got this fucking huge head, which I don't like the narrow-headed dogs as much. Like, yippy, like all the, like a Doberman. A Doberman is a big dog. But it's the way its face. head is sh- angled and shaped, like, I'm a lot more freaked out about those fine little shark, not shark, uh, what are the long-headed uh, marine animals it's actually almost a crocodile. Like, we'd be more freaked out of a crocodile compared to a shark. Because, like, they got the reach, motherfucker. Like, yeah. <laughs> and also, like, blunt force with that head structure is what they're going for. They're not going for, like, bite, tearing, like, rip off flesh kind of yeah. stuff. They don't have the kind of angle for that. They have to lock on and then pull off. Whereas the crocodiles and the Dobermans and that narrow triangular kind of head is like all surgical biting and no thank you but that's just the mechanics of mother nature i guess they just also just something about the like slobbery and big and dumb and sweet kind of look you get out of them really cool breed save me here oklahoma you're half and tell us why it got half because i think we had a similar reasoning yes great buddy movie Blues Brothers, but uh, yeah. they're brothers. Yeah, and it's not quite the same. Yeah. So within that mythology, they are actual brothers. brothers. Yes. Yeah. Um. I I think though there there is even besides those two, mm-hmm. 
there's a lot of like camaraderie stuff about that movie. There is like a hey, we're friends and we're goofing off and we're having fun or yeah. we're we're gonna make it happen for each other, whatever it may be. I mean, I think there's even like coziness on the cameo scenes with like Aretha Franklin and stuff like that. Like there's this intimacy of like buddiness that goes throughout the movie. So it's definitely a good choice. I do see the DQ with the sibling thing. And, ooh, good question. Pet or sibling, which is closer? Because siblings definitely have that best friend kind of thing. They, they definitely have that friendy thing. But family's different, too. So what's stronger, the fact that family is different or that this is a different species? <laughs> <laughs> well, I just... I. I I think that for me, and I think there is, to some extent, you're still choosing this pet. You're stuck with family. Like, you got no choice here. There's yeah. no choice. So there's still, it's more friendy because you're choosing your friends. You aren't stuck with these people in that conventional way. I know there's old family friends. You've been with them forever. It feels like, you know, you don't have any of the choices. But at the end of the day, you do have a choice. With a pet, at the end of the day, you still have a choice. There's no choice with family. This is yeah. what you're stuck with. Is it amazing wow. that they are fucking, like, one unit? Because the Booze Brothers are one unit. They, they, yeah. they, they are completely... They say different things, maybe, but if they're of one mind, one yes. spirit, one being. That's, like, the ultimate friendship. That's the closest thing you could ever get to friendship. And maybe something you could never get if you aren't siblings first. Yeah, like we said. That's just, you know, improbable possibility that that would actually happen within a family because most of the time the whole reason therapy is around is for family. <laughs> That's why it exists. <laughs> Okay, so those were the haves, and I think that, um, I think actually, like, some, a lot of the times the haves, some of the best haves, they're, uh, I wish we could be talking about this, right? That sometimes can, is, is the purpose of the half. Like, I yeah. wish this was part of the conversation, but it can't be because I know it got DQ'd for this reason. So my number eight, the movie Bridesmaids, Maya Rudolph and, and Kristen Wiig. I think also what's nice about it is that, um, friends are friends in a community, and that relationship is the core of it, but it also flushes out the friendship throughout the community, throughout their lesser friends. So it's a very solid choice. And it's very friend-oriented, very, yeah. uh, very buddy. I think what in particular, that relationship between those two, I, I guess within the circumstances as well, within the, the idea of the, you know, having a wedding and stuff mm -hmm. like that. It's like all these other people, are, it, it's very ripe for a comedy, but really that feeling of like, no, you're my rock. Because there's all this chaos going on in a wedding. There's always all this chaos and they do it up. But the, it's very true and why the writing is good is that it's completely realistic and true that all this chaos goes on during a wedding and you get that best friend and it's like you're the one that's gonna help me get through this shit like you have to have that relationship there at your core otherwise you lose your shit <laughs> you know what i mean and um well i'm gonna keep with the snl theme on my number eight i i tried to pawn this off on you to put into your list because I wanted to have Tenacious D, The Pick of Destiny. 
But I'm going to be playing them as the theme song. I'm going to be playing Tenacious D. And I love their relationship and their rapport. It's hard, and I feel like I'm just going to start talking about Tenacious D right now, but I'm not going to. They got edged out. They got edged out by David Spade, Chris Farley, Tommy Boy. Now, that was my golden age of Saturday Night Live. Um, Farley, Sandler, like Phil Hartman, Hartman was still Phil there. Hartman was still you know, there. he was still oh, he was definitely over. part of that. Yeah, um, you got Mike Myers. You got um, friend of the show, <laughs> friend of me. <laughs> you got Dana Carvey. Oh, and like yeah, Tim uh, Meadows, Carvey and Spade have a, a podcast Chris right Rock. now called Fly on the Wall. Just gonna plug that as a homage to uh, Dana Carvey and who in Spade. And David Spade, the lead of Tommy Boy. Right. Second lead. And I think a, a big reason why I want to include it, because, like, I guess, okay, so David Spade did this show called Lights Out on uh, Comedy Central. This was before the pandemic and all this kind of stuff. And it had a little bit of traction. It was doing all right. I, I wonder if it would have kept up with the pandemic or not. But I loved it. He got comedians there. It wasn't about, like, politics or any other thing. It was just people trying to make jokes, trying to, and, you know, way spade is he's snarky and he, yeah uh, he does this wasn't his, politically incorrect this this was. wasn't politically incorrect no no they're, they're talking about the bachelor not about you know uh but i really got into that show and it actually the bachelor? really no the 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 lights out show and it really introduced me to yeah, a right. lot of I've senior fanfic comics because of the pandemic and i've really gotten into a comic uh or comedic podcasts like really didn't know that much about but i love their podcast and like fucking ron funches ron funches is amazing and i i know him because of that show because he was a guest on that show a couple times that that was my introduction to him and um just countless other comics really that really doesn't matter i've gotten a little obsessed with david spade and i hear him a lot he's got seen your fanfic own uh podcast with dana carvey right now i've been listening to that and uh i can't remember exactly where and so that's why i'm it's it's kind of uh i don't have a direct reference but he was talking about the pitching of tommy boy and the pitch was it's Farley and Spade in their fucking writer's room uh-huh. and the way that they are. The story came later. Like, well, not even came later, but the story was inconsequential. Like, if you try to say, if, if you know what this movie is, Tommy Boy, if you try to say, we're going to talk about a brake parts salesman. in Ohio whose father just had a heart attack and has to save the company by selling brake pads. Right. (laughs) But it's the dynamic between Spade and Farley. And I mean, fat guy in a little coat. Do I need to say more? It's just like one of the funniest, greatest scenes ever. Chris Farley was amazing. He was very funny. Another great thing by listening to a lot of Spade stuff and knowing a lot of his universe and stuff, like, I really like to hear this. He said, Chris Farley would get freaked out because he'd be in wardrobe in SNL, and it would say Jay Belushi on a tag on one of the costume departments. And he'd be like, oh my god. And, like, Spade had to eventually go to Farley and say, like, you know, you're kind of almost better than him, right? Like you're almost at a bigger level. Like you, you've 
you've done more. Like, yeah. you don't need to keep hero worshiping this guy because you're kind of more advanced. And, of course, Chris Farley couldn't accept that yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the dynamic between the two of them, and it's really... I'm going to throw out just all of comedy duo it. I'm going to throw out all kind of, like, comedy duo stuff that I know is maybe common ground between me and you, but the audience is going to maybe be fucking oblivious, too. But, like, that formula of these opposites, the way that Howard Moon and Vince Noir, the way that um, I had a whole lot of other examples. (laughs) And a lot of them were British. (laughs) Um, The way that um, just these, these opposites, these complete... I'm talking about the, this synergy that certain duos have. Okay, so Mitchell and Webb. I'm trying to think of some American equivalents. Frog and bear? No, but there's like this thing where it's like... Moose and squirrel. This... Well, and actually, I guess why I keep thinking of um, the Mighty Boosh, it's like they have a line when they're being... Uh, when he's worried about someone copying him, mm-hmm. that whole episode, they're copying yeah. the... Okay, so... As a kind of funny little uh, aside throwaway line, they're like, oh, yeah, it's like, you know, between the two of them, it's like they're one real person and all this kind of stuff. (laughs) And, like, that was always the thing with that duo. That was always the thing of the duo, I mean, and the thing of the Tommy Boy duo. is like between the two of them, they were one really great, solid person, but they had to be with each other in order to get that, you know, like... They weren't great on their own because they were so weird by themselves. But together, their weirdness created almost a real person, almost someone that was really great. Like the snarkiness of Spade and just the childlike but bowl in the china shopness of Chris Farley. Like you would wish Spade would take up more space because he's so smart. You know, he wish we'd actually get out there and, um, you know, be more charismatic. This the scene in the diner where Farley gets them to make more pancakes for Chris Farley. I like pancakes. And then David Spade like, no, that's what you need to be doing to selling brake parts. Like that that that's it. You have it. You know, you just don't know you have it. The combination of that two making them a better thing. For me, defines friendship. I love the dynamic between Farley and Spade. And feels kind of self-explanatory why it would be on the list. But um, I'm going to go a step further. This is actually something you said to me in order as a defense for Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy, who eventually won the tournament. Yes. Because... They were like two sides of a coin. Like they don't work without each other. It's not that like they're great friends and they help each other and all this kind of stuff. It's like without the other one, nothing works. Like they need the other person. Right. So that's why like the the Howard Moon and Vince Noir and the Mitchell and Webb and the um, Spade and Farley in this circumstance with Tommy Boy. Like by itself, it's not great together. It's a complete cohesion. It's just amazing. And uh, I think that's an element that Tommy Boy brings that. And it's, it's just an amazing, funny. Chris Farley is hilarious, kick-ass. David Spade is, in my opinion, as well. That dynamic, you understand what I'm saying with that yes. dynamic between the two of them. Sure. And uh, that works. And I, I think 
I'm giving up Tenacious D for this. So <laughs> it's important for me <laughs> that you know that it's not without <laughs> unjust reasons. Mm. Let's hear your number eight. Jesus Christ, we are going slow. <laughs> number are- seven. Oh, that's right. You began. So number seven. Speaking of, you know, kind of two different people. I went with Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Very solid choice. Very much so on my radar. Uh, glad that it was on your list. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I regretted I couldn't find a spot for it on mine. What the, what's the actor's name? Harold's the actor. John Cho. And John Cho. Kumar is John Cho is a really good straight man. Oh, he's excellent. Kumar is amazing. I really like Carl Penn and... Um, Cal Penn. Cal Penn, excuse me. You're right. I said Carl. You said Fuck. Carl Penn. <laughs> Cal Penn. I really like Cal Penn. And, uh, and he does... He, the, the movie's great. But, like, as straight men go, I don't know if I can find much better than Cho. Oh, like, yeah, he did it great. He's such a good straight man. But it was so lost. Th- that wasn't that wasn't there anymore. There weren't a lot of um, straight men, uh, zany guy duos anymore. And it was like, um, no, we can still do this. Yeah. This is still possible. It's not dead. Yeah. What do you got for number seven? So number seven, I have his swingers. So, kids... Before he was Happy Hogan, before he um, showed the way to the Star Wars universe in the form of Mandalorian, Jean Favreau was just a simple filmmaker, and he came to fame with this movie, Swingers. And it's a buddy movie. He's getting over a breakup. This is the crux of the movie. He's getting over this breakup. He's got these friends. He's moving from, he's moving the East Coast, I want to say. Was he moving from New York or was it Boston? I think New York. I think it was New York. I assume New York. He's seeing these buddies here. Um, If there has to be a buddy, buddy thing, it's with him and Vince Vince Vaughn. Vaughn. Also made Vince Vaughn's career. There, there's no Vince Vaughn without swingers. It's this really funny, interesting moment in time. It was very of the moment. It was very retro. That was their whole thing, you know. But yeah, retro. They were they were wearing zoot suits. They were swing dancing. Um, Oh, but. If I remember this correctly, this is at least for me the first time I saw Heather Graham. Heather Graham was the chick at the very end of the movie that yeah, she was no, sweet. Yeah, no, this was he after was, Boogie Nights. Was that after Boogie Nights? Uh, maybe, maybe not. Let's see. Now, now we're gonna have to consult some technology. But the crux of the movie, and, and there's some some real comedy there too. <laughs> when they're at the casino, they call me Double Down. <laughs> Vince Vaughn pressures John Farber to double down yeah. on an eight, and he gets like totally screwed by it, and it becomes a little joke later. For but it's a very independent film, very in my opinion, it's also no, a very good yeah. film. You're right. Ninety six for Swingers, ninety seven for Boogie Nights. So, so yeah, first the first the first time I saw Heather Graham, 
And I actually forgot that that was Heather Graham. Whereas, like, when she was Roller Girl, you knew that was Heather Graham. Like, the the film credit or whatever. But, yeah. like, she was just another actress when I remember seeing Yeah, she was not getting, like, top billing. Exactly. Yeah, no, she was nowhere near top billing, I don't think. If you well, I was speaking metaphorically, but no, I don't think she was in the yeah. billing. In, on, like, well, no, she was in the billing. She, well, no, she, she was did. in the credits. She was not, I don't think she was on, the billing means, like, on the Billing poster. on the poster, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So it was very, it was very of the moment of Hollywood, a special moment in time. So I do wonder, like, am I just old enough to dig this stuff? Or is this, was this actually good art? You know what I mean? I I feel like it was. Yeah, I feel like it was good art. I feel like there was a story that was, but it was very, you know, like there was this moment where, well... Actually, they helped create the moment. Big Bad Voodoo Daddies was the ones who was like the house band where they were at and stuff like that. They had a big hit after that. Um, And I want to say that that was before Cherry Poppin' Daddies with Zoot Suit Riot and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Again, we're going to have to consult the technology to be sure. Another very distinct thing I remember, they were playing that hockey game (laughs) where... (laughs) Vince Vaughn got so excited that it showed the blood. It was like, look, you can see the blood. You you, you matched the guy's head in the eyes. You see the blood. <laughs> That's a very funny thing. It feels like a very, like, friend dude thing, you know? Like, those nights where you just, hey, you're with your buddies, and they're just talking about stupid video games and, uh, you know, being able to see the blood in video games and... Yeah. Very specific to the 90s. Yeah. Obviously, right now, you pick up any video game and you can, you yeah. know, no, that's, that's castrate your own father or whatever you need to do on these games. I'm not going to ask why that's where you go with it, but... Uh, it's hyperbole from the idea that, oh, we're playing this hockey game and you can see blood on the ice. Right. And now it's like, you know... Don't lie to me. I've seen your fanfic. Um, okay, uh, here's the analogy for you. And I've actually been mean a reason to actually put this out here. When I was a kid trying to look up porn, the little JPEGs, they would move down so slow. You'd only see, like, a piece of it at a time. Oh, I, yeah. I remember actually, like, going underneath. <laughs> I was so young and stupid, but I thought, like, yeah, oh, like you're tilt- from this angle. Tilting your head to, like, try and look Maybe I'll up. see myself a nipple if I go from this angle. Yeah. <laughs> trying to look up under the yeah, black bar under the, the bar that was loading yeah. because it would take like a day for you to get one picture of a fucking nudie magazine <laughs> that's why I support brick and mortar <laughs> how did we get here uh, where, swingers, where are we going swingers very <laughs> Very swingers. much of the moment, the whole... Very that, much that of a, the moment. Uh, oh, oh. The whole that, swing Yeah, comeback. I was talking about, like, uh, the difference. There is this just amazing scene because, you know, like... And I think it actually happened after the Heather Graham scene where he does this, like, great dance, this great swing dance with everything. He's, oh, you're so money. And it's, they had this also friendship kind of thing like they got their own language they yeah. your money that wasn't something that was common that was something very specific to that group of friends in that movie oh your yeah. money your money you got the money yeah but there was this great scene where vince vaughn thought he was flirting with this girl 
And he was doing, oh, you want to be baby? Oh, you want to play Pikachu? Like, all this kind of stuff. And then he finds out that that was actually a mom and the little baby was on the other side of the booth. And he picks up the baby and walks away. And it's like, also, like, however good we think we're doing, like, we're all fucking up. <laughs> and he looked up the Vince Vaughn's character. Like, he's the one that actually knows social norms and all this kind of stuff. And, like, he makes this huge fucking faux pas. That's huge fucking... It would be something that doesn't bother Vince Vaughn, but like would kill the John Favre character, right? Would, yeah. That 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 embarrassment, he would just he wouldn't have been able to handle crumble yeah. under that embarrassment. So to see Vince Vaughn have to deal with it is yeah. great for him. You yeah. know, it just feels so awesome. Like, yeah. Oh wait, we're all just making it up. We're all fucking weird. And Jesus Christ, you know, yeah. wh- wh- why hurt myself so much over over all this? <laughs> like we all put up these great airs on where we got this figured out. We know what the fuck you're doing, and you pull the smallest thread, and it's like, ah, uh, you're just a fucking idiot, just like me, aren't you? And that's exactly the same dynamic with John Favre and Vince Vaughn's character. It's like yeah. the smallest thread got pulled, and it's like, oh, wait. You don't have this at all figured out either. So Swingers, I feel like, yeah, buddy, we're up to number six. Yeah, so number six, I put this. So this is this is technically two, but it's a sequel. Mm-hmm. So I, I put down Monsters, Inc. slash Monsters University. Yes, definitely the rapport between Sully and Mike. Mike. Yeah, Mike Wazowski. Sully and Mike is like classic, you know, and and what it is actually for me is that it's like, okay, we need to have Pixar in this fucking conversation because Woody and Buzz, like, we got, we got, all, I thought about it. Yeah, we got all these things, but for you, the little fucking weirdo you are and that I am. That's what it is. It's Mike yeah. and Sully. Now, question, if we're going straight Mono a mono, who's who? Me and you, Mike and Sully. I think you'd probably. I think you'd be Sully. I'd be Mike. Yeah, you're the big loud one. It's interesting because I've always thought of myself as a Lebowski, but in our relationship, I am definitely John Goodman. Yeah, you are Walter. I well, I don't want to go that far, but I'm John Goodman. <laughs> If you can really think of our relationship, I think Crystal and Goodman is about as close as you can get. Am I wrong with that? Just for like, like, like you said, I, I'm too big. I take up too much space, uh-huh. and I, I, I have like the f- maybe a fun bigness, but like you have like the small, like the, the completion of between the two, like and small. I say it, it feels weird because you're obviously taller than me. I mean, that, that's not what it is. It's more of like personality types. Personality types, if we were monsters, I would be Sully. You would be Mike. Yeah, I said that already. Right. But I'm talking about our intimate relationship. Personality types, that's kind of where we are on the monster range. And that may define our relationship the best. I, 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 I can't think of anything else that is analogous that fits so nicely. I think if you're really going to nail our friendship, our, our dynamic, uh, it would be I'm Lone Star and you are Barf from Spaceballs. Bill Pullman, John Candy. Come on! That's pretty good. Okay, I do love John Candy. That's pretty good. 
Come on. Come on. I'm a little bit more comfortable with the other analogy. Can we can we stick Come to on. can we stick to Sully and Mike? Come on. I'm a little bit feels more a little more better. Um I'm going to move on to my number six. That was your number six, right? Yeah. Oh, well, we're going to go somewhere completely different right now. (laughs) I got train spotting. And maybe this is one that, like, I did want it so hard on the list. And I think deserves to be on the list. But I know it's a fucking renegade. I know it's a loose cannon. And that's things that I like. So maybe you're going to have to deal with it because this is my list and I like these loose cannons. Well, I didn't say you couldn't have it. I'm <laughs> talking to the audience, not to you. All right. At its core, train spotting is a story about friends. It's this group of friends in Scotland. It's Rent, Renton, Sick Boy, Tommy, and now I'm forgetting. Spud. Spud, yeah. Spud. And everyone loves Spud. God damn it. Spud is just magical and fun and sweet and awesome <laughs> the look on his face yeah i'm not gonna spoil it for anyone else watch the movie amazing danny o'boyle danny uh, danny boyle danny director. boyle just yes. danny boyle there's no oil no or anything i got no just danny boyle danny yeah. boyle and his first ewan mcgregor hey you like uh, Obi-Wan? Maybe you should watch this uh, train spotting movie because it kind of made Obi-Wan, eh? Yes, that's right, kids. You love that Star Wars? Watch train spotting. Watch some heroin use. <laughs> Come for the family friendly uh, space adventure. Stay for the crippling drug abuse. I guess I really had, though, a thing about, like, this is about friendship at its core. It's about friends. And also, it's kind of about how friends are terrible. There's this great, and I'm a huge Pulp fan, so it was the Pulp song they use, Miles End. There's this great scene where Hugh McGregor's character is finally getting his shit together. You know, he's, he's working in London and all this kind of stuff. And then Sick Boy comes around. And... If it really is a, sh- a movie about friends, that's the relationship. Yes. Sick Boy and... That's the core. That's one, the yeah. core. But, like, the song is a song called Miles End. It has its own little thing. And I, I, unless we play it, it's not going to get used. But anyways, every time Sick Boy throws another empty pack of cigarettes into the hall, and then, like, by the end of it, he's, like, swimming in... <laughs> cigarette packs you know so it's like one of those things where like these small acts that these toxic relationships do there was a visual for yeah how it builds up you know and it was very potent i thought thought very good yeah no, that's a, that. a very well-made movie uh great great film yeah but I think as well, it's an, it's a, I get why, what the fuck? Why would you ever choose this as a buddy film? <laughs> but, um, like, the way that Renton treats Spud at the, the very end, you know, he gets his own little cash and stuff like that. The way that he moves on, it's like, also, we need to remember that friends are there for that moment in our life. And there's a real affirmation at the end of Train Spotting, where it's like, I'm going to another chapter. You know, it's like, with those toxic relationships, I understand getting attracted back to them and making that a cycle, and that that needs to be stopped. 
at the same extent, like, these are things that make you who you are. You know, that experience that he had with Sick Boy. Mm-hmm. There was this great line in it where Renton was trying to quit heroin. And he talked about how Johnny B. G- B. Miller, uh, Sick Boy, was doing it to just to spite him. <laughs> and I always thought that was such, just such an interesting thing. Just like a, you know, like just something you have sometimes with friends. It's like, even if they aren't doing it just to spite you, you feel like they're doing it just to spite you. <laughs> you know, just to make it look easy. Just because, like, oh, I, this is no deal to me, and you're fucking suffering here, you know? I assume most of what you do is to spite me. That's the thing, is that it's the opposite. But at the moment that you're there with that friend, you think that it's that thing. You think that, oh, this is the thing that gets me to that next level. This is, this is, Sick Boy is the friend that actually helps me get to this thing like you never think at the moment oh wait this is the other side of the coin this is actually something very toxic it is the only story where it's like these cats were huge informative to who i am and they were my best friends at that moment but i'm unstuck now yeah you can't have them i can't be there all the time i'm not gonna follow down that path like i'm moving somewhere else and written i don't know I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not going to put this on you. And so, like, I'm going to try to exclude you from the conversation because I don't feel like it's fair to include you. But for me, there is a real interesting and necessary conversation about substances and addiction and all that shit. And it's a reason why it was really kind of taboo and all that kind of stuff. For, for me, like, train spotting really does and the other thing is i think more than you i've had more experience with addiction and stuff like that like those drugs are your friends (laughs) those drugs are your friends they're the motherfuckers that don't turn their back on you there are those drugs are like um and drugs i mean like alcohol or anything you know like not just heroin. That is a level I've, I've never gotten to. So I, I, I don't want to feel like I'm an authority on that conversation. It's a really interesting film if you think about it with friendship. Because it's like sometimes you need to cut your friends off. Like heroin was your best friend. Heroin was your friend. He was the one that was not there when no one else was. He was the one that would made you happy when no one else would be with you. And um... I guess I wanted an observance of the cautionary tale of what friendship shouldn't be. Or right. maybe not what friendship shouldn't be, but, like, know that this this, this isn't... Like I said, drugs are always your friend. It ain't your friend. <laughs> drugs are always there. Drugs are always around. Drugs are always your friend. But it is not your friend. <laughs> What drugs is, is drugs is a fucking cancer, and it just wants fucking more, 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 more. And yeah, no, it's a huge thing. Anyone you talk to with addiction, friends, that's the subject. That's the hard part. Like, oh, I can maybe try to quit the substance, and it's going to be fucking difficult as fuck, but like... Who am I after that? All my friends are people. All my are friends are using through this. Yeah. So yeah. It's like I can't so go hang out who, with them now because I can't do that. 
Yeah. I think it's a necessary one. I think if no other reason, like cautionary tale. But also, I think that the fact that... I'll put it this way. What we were talking about there needs to be more normalized. Like, this isn't a strange conversation. We're like, oh, these people in this spot, of course, they have that conversation because they don't hit the same value points of someone living in South America or Australia or Central America or Africa or Asia or these kind of places. This, that's something that everyone is dealing with at this moment. All right, so my number five, Shaun of the Dead. It's about how okay. friendship... Okay, no, then we, we actually did have coordination here, because that's mine too. No, you said yours was Hot Fuzz. Oh, shit. You're right. But let's treat them as one. Let's just... They're, what's at the core of both of these? The friendship between Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. So, number five, I put Hot Shaun, Fuzz. And I put Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead... The friendship between Nick Frost and Simon Pegg. This is what we're talking about. I love these cats. And so, like, they did a show called Spaced in the 90s. Yes. Late 90s. um, Well before either of these movies. Yeah, no, it was what... It was the start of their... That was, like, their first But I'm not sure if Edgar Wright was a part of it or not. Consult the technology. He was. He directed Space. Yep. What was actually kind of brilliant about Space was that um, that wasn't the buddy duo. Uh, Simon Pegg had a female roommate, and that was really kind of the buddy duo. Although, like, they had, like, a side buddy thing with yeah, Nick they- Frost. It was always, like, they actually they had this funny thing where... <laughs> There was always the thing where, like, they there was something that happened to Nick Frost's character, but they refused to talk about it, you know? We're talking Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. I mean, they are amazing together. I love them together. Just they great are chemistry. such great buddy things. I guess I chose Hospitality because it's, like, the most popular, but also, like, I feel like it's the most genuine from... Simon Pegg's perspective, whereas maybe the most genuine from Nick Frost's perspective is Shaun of the Dead. Like, the important thing is that, like, so the Box Trolls movie, which became, like, a big thing for me and not a lot of people saw. Yeah, no, I, I liked it, but it did um, not become a huge hit, no. Uh, but Nick Frost was in that, mm-hmm. and Simon Pegg was in that, but they were in completely different scenes, completely different parts, and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, they were not in it as a buddy duo. Exactly. But it was just one of those things where it's like, we like doing stuff together. I guess it was one of those things with uh, Hot Fuzz where it's like, I'm coming from the Nick Frost side. Oh, and by the way, if um, I'm solely in your mic, then I'm definitely Nick Frost in your... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be the accurate way. Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe a little bit more uh, current and a better way of describing it than the other one. But I am enjoying the scenes and and, and everything a little bit more with Shaun of the Dead. Like we're having a lot more fun. You know, whereas there's a more of a buddy, real good feel with the Shaun of the Dead thing, where you get that kind of finality of friendship and stuff like that. I felt like 
but we're we're kicking off and just having a good time and mucking around. Like because we're not trying to go in the duality of our actual relationship and we're just playing actors and we're actors <laughs> you know that we're actually enjoying ourselves more here number five all right all right all a, right uh, in the true spirit of friendship a joint joint uh selection in the middle of the list the halfway the list too look at that look at that oh man so number four kind of have to put it on this list had to be here because uh, it's just such such a classic of the genre lethal weapon yes yes wait wait which lethal weapon the original first lethal weapon okay and the buddy is Riggs and Murtaugh Riggs and Murtaugh, the amazing Danny Glover, and Mel Gibson. So. Not so amazing. <laughs> difficult to defend in that. But. Okay, but yes, classic buddy cop. One of the best buddy cops. The crazy Aussie weirdness with the kind of like cautious African American. Yes. Because <laughs> that's what. <laughs> what I think African When I think this whole conversation, I think getting cat meow. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Let's let's backtrack. So yes, Riggs and Murtaugh. Well, I, I yeah, I do think we need to talk about like two things that is not only they complete each other, but like they make each other to a next level. Riggs and Murtaugh, like without each other, they aren't individually. They're they're awesome. With each other, they're amazing. They. It's needed for both of their storylines. It's not only like that they make each other bigger and better and more amazing, but also without that other person, their own storyline doesn't hold up. Like, both of them are kind of wounded characters, if you think about it. And they find strength in each other. And that's the best relationship you can find, right? When you're the one that's wounded and you can find strength in somebody else, that's a... I, I think that it would be imprudent for us to not include something as iconic as that. Like, we're going to have our own esoteric takes and be able to do all this kind of stuff. It's like, no, we, we have to have this baseline. We're like, yeah, that... that right. Riggs and Murtoff is the one of the best Betty b- buddy cop things ever made, right? That it, it deserves to be there. What about you? What do you got for number four? My number four is we're we're gonna go back a little bit to some uh, Saturday Night Live. My number four is Wayne's World. The dynamic between Mike Myers and Dana Carvey. It's funny because um, Nick Kroll was talking about some of. Like, well, he was talking about how big of an influence that Wayne's World was on him. And he was talking about how, like, that power dynamic within his own comedy was, like, a common thread between Wayne and Garth. Wayne is cooler, I guess. I I don't know what you want to say, but there's, there's, like, a level there. There is a power dynamic where, like, Garth is... Wayne's always kind of shitting on Garth because he isn't the higher power dynamic, 
but also, like, Wayne kind of knows that, like, if I don't have Garth, I'm fucked, <laughs> you know? Also, just, I love Wayne's World. <laughs> and it's just one of the great comedy duos, I think, yeah. of my generation, really. Like, as well, what's really interesting with it is that, like, they were the first. It, it was really sketchy. It was like, we're going to do this movie. I hope this works. But I think even beyond that, like, the Wayne and Garth dynamic, there's such a fun thing with them as friends. And, like, so, getting a little nerdy here, but um, in the movie itself, like, there's this moment where, like, Wayne had totally kind of screwed Garth, and there's no reason why Garth is going to be happy with Wayne and do all this kind of stuff. And he just kind of comes up to him and is like, Hey, man, how are you? And it's like, okay, good. And then they don't even miss a beat, and they yeah. go back into that same thing. And I feel like it's it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, whatever happened, we're just going to fucking come back and just always be in the same step and always be in the same step and always the same moment. And, like, we get each other. Like, yeah. we don't need to have this long conversation of what happened. We're here. And we get it. It's like Garth without Wayne is like a suit of clothes trying to walk around by itself without a person in it. (laughs) And it's like Wayne can walk around just fine without Garth. But it's like the person without the suit of clothes. Yeah. So it's kind of like without Garth, he's kind of naked. Yeah. Yeah. But he doesn't want to admit that. Yeah, exactly. But he knows it. But he knows. So are we good? On that one? I hope so. All right. Number three. Possibly the best description of our friendship. (laughs) (laughs) Fight Club. (laughs) Fight Club is your number three? Fight Club's number three, man. Hell yeah. Okay. Well, I I did stay away from... You're you're talking about... Who's the uh, friendship here? The narrator and Tyler Durden. Yeah, same person. Yes. But he doesn't know that. Please explain to me how in the buddy flick category, Fight Club, the same person, spoiler alert, is your decision. You know why I have a case for a DQ, right? Uh, Yes, but I checked with you beforehand. You said you would allow it because you never said Uh the friends had to be real. Yeah, You never said they could be imaginary. You're right, you're right, you're right. And that's really what this is, in a way. It's an imaginary friend. Not to diminish friend. the uh, seriousness of dissociative identity disorder. But, in a lot of ways, this is a man and his imaginary friend. You know, he is he has created the exact friend he needs to get him through where he, where he is in life. To get him to where he needs to be. Well, I will say this. Tyler is the representation of everything he wants of a friend. Tyler is the one who's pushing him to what he wants to do. Tyler is the one that, like, this is... I wish I had an external force telling me this is what I should be doing. So, yeah. Yeah. I I stand by it. It it holds up. I think it makes an... It's interesting because it has something similar but not quite the same as, like, uh, train spotting as well. Of that idea of, like, this is the friend you need at this time. Like, this is the person, this is the friendship you needed for this moment in your life. And this is an interesting story in that he creates that for himself. I think uh, there's a direct correlation because, as well, 
This is not a good friendship. <laughs> like, no, it's not one that's ultimately not, healthy to continue. This is no. not something you should be continuing. It's, it's like, this is a part of your journey. And exactly. these are the things that presented themselves on your journey. And these are proofs of the journey, the, the paths you shouldn't take. There's a little bit of cautionary tale, the same way that tra- spotting was, right? Well, and I think that that ultimately gets realized when um, the Pixie song is playing and she's, he's holding hands with uh, Helena Bottom Carter. Where that, that's that final realization where, like, no, it's going to be okay. Like, yeah. we have each other, but also I have myself and I've just gone through all this stuff. Like, I've come through these realizations of that toxic relationship of that friendship be it real or um not and so it's is this is definitely a signal of me as a person me and my generation i grew up with it was all about the indie films it was all about fargo winning the academy awards like uh, we're finally getting this recognition so my number three is gonna be clerks that entire movie is a foundation between dante and randall and it's amazing i love that movie i love the like there's so many things that tickle me about that movie kevin smith is amazing like just fucking and uh clerks is a great movie it's a yeah it's very funny one of the best things about Clerks is the story behind the ending of Clerks. Yeah, I'm sure you've heard this before, right? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, they were supposed to get shot. Right. The original ending was that there was a customer that was in a hood. There was a cat, right? Well, the customer was buying his whatever. And he's like, oh, what's that cat's name? And Dante's... Oh, was it Dante or was it Randall? I think it was Dante. He goes, oh, the cat's name annoying customer. And the customer's like, fuck you. No, that was Randall. Right. Doesn't matter who. That same hooded customer comes in at the very end of the movie and shoots and kills... Dante. Dante. I love that Kevin Smith was walked off the fucking plank when it came to that ending because it was like no his ending was perfect your clothes Randall throwing the tarp that he made up about we're open I swear you know like that was the best way to end that movie the 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 death of Dante even though it was like super 90s indie film it would have it would have ruined it it would have ruined it completely no it was trying too much to be like 90s indie movie and it wasn't being true to itself the fucking shit in that movie the, the conversation about the second dead Death Star. There were just basic carpenters there. <laughs> I love that. I feel like that was like some of the stuff going on there was so transcendent. Like like well before its time of like that's basically what a lot of media websites do right now. Just like dissect weird little stuff. <laughs> the guy who gets the porno flick or the porno bag and then dies out back. Yeah. Like, just the weird conversation they have. Or like, he, he's trying to change the light bulb. Like, oh, you know, those light bulbs called cancer. It's like, oh, yeah? Yeah, my cousin died of cancer. Okay. He died of cancer from the light bulbs? No. He got hit by a bus. Okay. <laughs> like, just the weird randomness strikes of, of life being in that... You know, and I guess 
It still transcends stuff, but also it's still pretty Jersey. I've never been to Jersey, so. No, me either. But, like, it's very true to him. It's very Jersey. It's very, like, because he's a Jersey guy, right? Yeah. So it's very true to his perspective. And it's, I always felt it was really Jersey and really just kind of Jersey uh, comedy or Jersey sensibility or, like, yeah, there's no real definition there. Well, I do have to say this. And I don't want to leave without saying this. The dynamic between Randall and Dante, I've always loved. And I've always felt like there's this great thing between those two. And it's like, what was the line that Randall had where he was like, he hate gatherings, but he loves parties. <laughs> and like, he, he couldn't figure it out. But Randall was this great counterweight to Dante, right? But there was that line within the show itself, which was like, um, where Dante was covering for Randall. Oh, I saw him sleeping. He's like, oh, no, he's just resting his eyes. What's his other job? Air traffic controller. <laughs> and then, like, that was, that was Dante's response to try to yeah. cover for Randall. I always thought that was, like, kind of a really significant part of their friendship and relationship, like... Not only that is he going to try to cover, but he's going to make something really clever and witty and, like, really try to make it... That's a Randall response. That's not a Dante response. Randall would have said that, A right? little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... He has more of the quips, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's a Randall quip, not a Dante quip. So it's almost like he knew what Randall what wanted him to say but there's also points where it's like you knew the randall influence on dante too and they were just like this and particularly like by the end of it jay has the ultimate or not jay uh silent bob has the ultimate response kind of put dante in his place about you know the the um yeah about the lasagna you know most of them would just cheat on you yeah kind of thing. Randall just doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just gonna go out and fucking do shit. Dante is there to, like, pull him back and be like, no, 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 you can't do that. Yeah. And, um, also, Randall is there to push Dante. A great so that's why Clerks is, uh, my number three. Now, my second choice is not a direct one-for-one buddy thing. This is a this is definitely a group dynamic one, but I put it on there. No, I I'm all about groups. I think groups classic, should be accepted. This is a classic buddies in it to win it, both on screen and off. It's Ghostbusters. Not I only mean, one of the great comedies of all time, but also a buddy. Those guys just them together, like not only as like characters kind of together, but also the actors too. I like this one because it's really got like the dynamic of the actors really kind of reflecting this as well as you know, a really tight like you know, this is kind of all crazy what they're doing, you know, and what they get involved in. And they're they're college professors, you know. <laughs> but they're on this crazy, they're in it together, you know. Okay, Ghostbusters, I do have to say, um, pretty damn perfect. Like, yeah. from the beginning scene, it going through that library and, like, is really about, like, friends. Yeah, number two. That's the number two. My number two choice, which is a weird one, actually, and I feel like he's going to need some exposition, Rushmore. I love Rushmore. I love that movie. At the core of that movie is the friendship between Herman and Max. And I feel like 
<laughs> Maybe because of our friendship that we have here, Oklahoma. But um, <clears throat> they go through this huge progression, this huge antagonism, and all this kind of stuff. There's this scene towards the end where um, Olivia Williams, who plays the um, love interest, she says to Max, I never wanted an aquarium. I don't know where somebody got the idea of that. And Max looks at her and says, I gave it to my friend. Because Harold Bloom was going to be the one who's going to open this aquarium. Stuff like that. And Harold doesn't get the girl at that moment. It's what's such a great scene, but it's like it's that realization that Max had already been like, "Oh, I was pursuing you before, but I'm giving this now to my friend because I want my friend to be happy." I always thought it was a very sweet, very, very awesome scene. The relationship, and I, I just love as well framing it that this is actually a buddy film. Most people watch the movie Rushmore and don't think anything about buddy or genres or anything like that but no if you really think about it this is a film about max fisher and herman bloom this is a movie about those two from the very first scenes the very first scene is it, actually something that i will i quote very frequently and i will quote again now the speech by bill murray take dead aim on the rich kid Get them in the crosshairs and take them down. They can buy anything, but they can't buy backbone. Don't let them forget that. That is my political being. That is what my politics, that is what I believe in. That is everything politically I believe in. Brought to you by Bill Murray in Rushmore. What's interesting about, what's really interesting about it is that not only is it the, the like typical, this is a buddy film kind of thing but like they are enemies and straight up going after each other for a good part of the movie but it almost feels at the end that they're stronger and they're better friends than they could ever been and that's true friendship like there's trials there's tribulations you're gonna fucking go through these moments where you don't like each other and you hate each other but like there's a core behind that relationship between uh, Max and Harold, that like not Harold Herman, that like uh, you really understand hits the the base of their soul. And that that movie, yes, I guess at its core, is a protagonist based movie, and it's about Max Fisher. But I really think that movie's about Max Fisher and Herman Bloom. It's about that friendship, even though they like butt these heads and do these kind of things, like without each other. They don't grow to the things they should be. Like, he would, Herman would never have that relationship with Olivia Williams. He would never be able to, you know, that moment where he's having a cigarette at the end, or at the end of the their theatrical performance, their play. They have that moment together where he's like, you know, I hope it turns out good. And, like, he's having a cigarette, and she's right there with him, and they kind of cuddle up together. It's like... Mm-hmm. That moment would never be realized without Max Fisher. This is my thing, is that, like, any of these kind of buddy things, it has to be from the beginning to the end. Very first scene in Rushmore, after all of the, he does this, that, and the other, the very first scene is Max Fisher taking notes while 
Herman Bloom talks and does his little speech that I love so much. That's the very first scene. And the very last scene is what I described to you earlier. And um, then the Faces song. That's what happens next, right? That's why I'm trying to defend this as a buddy kind of thing. Even though they have that antagonism at the middle. From start to end... It is about that relationship. It is about that friendship. You're at number, you're number one. Yes, number one buddy movie in my opinion. There is no movie that says true what true friendship is through thick and thin. Uh, better and wor- for worse. Person who's there for you. Dare I say it? Ride or die. Quite literally, Thelma and fucking Louise. Defend yourself. Literally, ride or die. They died for each other. Exactly. So that's why it has to be the number one. That's why it's got to be the number one. It's the ultimate one. It's these two are in it to the end for each other. This is, there is no bridge too far that they won't go for this person, you know? My last choice, which I know you're going to love. You are the only person who I think you're going to love this choice. My final one, Rosencrantz and Gilderstern are dead. Okay, like I said, we are the only nerds who are going to love Super this nerdy choice, choice yes. <laughs> Super nerdy choice. Tom Stoppard wrote yes. this play. The motion picture representation, Tim Roth and Gary Oldman. I don't know if I can just say more <laughs> when it comes to awesomeness. <laughs> and oh my god, this is amazing. And oh my god, why haven't I seen this yet? So, um, besides that, like, there's some, especially Gary Oldman has some really great stuff where um, he's doing the Archimedes thing where he's having displacement and he's figuring out displacement. And then also, um, the uh, Galileo thing where uh, he's dropping the two things at the same level and that kind of stuff. What it comes down to, and yes, those who don't know, I'm sorry. You're going to have to play some catch up, do some fucking research, do your job. What it comes down to is that with Rosencrantz and Gillerstern, there is a thing where it's like the way that Tom Stoppard represents them. The way that the play is doing it and that kind of stuff. The relationship is so cool and they have so many cool elements about them. They're like advancing things so much far along. And that's obviously for entertainment purposes and all that kind of stuff. But besides that, there's this thing where it's like they're able to cross the fourth wall, if you will. And they're like, I'm dead without you and you're dead without me. Neither of us exists without the other person's existence. If there's no Gildersturn, there's no Rosencrantz. If there's no Rosencrantz, there's no Gildersturn. We're dependent on each other. Let's make the most out of that. Try to do as much as we can with that. And what I loved about the idea of the Tom Stoppard play... These are these minor characters in this Hamlet play. <laughs> Nobody. They only have a couple lines. They only have a couple scenes. What the fuck? And he makes an entire play out of all of them. And he just goes out. But also, can you deny they are friends? Inseparable friends. And I love that Tim Roth, Gary Oldman, that's the duo. And that, like, Tim Roth 
<laughs> he does so good at that, like, frustrated. What the fuck? Like, <laughs> we're supposed to be here already. What the fuck are we doing? We're supposed to be doing this by now. I don't know if there's much else we have to say about it, frankly. For a total English nerd like me, you got Tom Stoppard using side characters like Rosencast and Gilderstern as main characters to do a fucking play, and you're going to use Tim Roth and Gary Oldman. I was sold like two sentences ago, so that's already amazing. And the the really frightening thing is, is that they made it even better than I could ever want it to be. Like, Rose of certain I was already like, okay, I got pretty high expectations. This is like a Hamlet thing. Okay, it was so good. I loved it. I loved it. I, I don't know. Everyone else can hate it. Ugh. I thought it was amazing. Um, I thought Tim Roth, Gary Oldman, Jesus Christ, they were so good in it. I do have a very um, fond remembrance of the uh, Archimedes scene. But I want to fucking wrap up the fact that, like, those scenes between Tim Roth and fucking Gary Oldman, they were friends, and there was all these awesome scenes. And even though they weren't, like, on the same page sometimes, they were, like, friendship episode. I would argue with those two, if one is without Lockstep, the other one ceases to exist, so the they they have to, they both know that they have to be dependent on each other. Otherwise, they don't exist. <laughs> There's like an urgency. The way that Tom Stoppard wrote it, I'm trying to say it, like because he's he's taking these side characters from Hamlet. The way that he has to do is like, no, these guys have to be bestie bestie. These guys have to do this. Otherwise. They don't exist. Like, without that kind of rapport, without that relationship. But Tom Stopper took that premise and then... Shit. So good, right? Soup song. Welcome back. Welcome back. We gotta find legal. Alright. Soup song. <laughs> We're wrapping up the friend episode. Welcome back. Friends are the worst. Run away from them. <laughs> <laughs> what a friend should be is the person who you need the most. Who just sits out there and looks out for you. Sometimes that doesn't make sense. Sometimes it's somebody like Oklahoma over here. Who will just fucking snipe me or do this, that, or the other. And just 
make me feel small or make me do whatever. Sometimes Oklahoma is doing his own thing, and that's what makes him a friend. Because a friend is not about changing themselves so that you can be happy. It's about being themselves and you being happy with who they are. Sometimes we think we want a person to be a certain way so they can be a friend and they can be easy. And sometimes that's indicative to what a real friend is. My advice to you, don't seek friendship in the moment. Because it's the long term that you'll find them. And uh, friendship is rare. That's all I have to say. Oklahoma, why don't you read the frame print for this friend's episode? The Nerd Obscurial Podcast is a Gadzooks and Nerd production. That's Gadzooks, G-A-D-Z-O-O-K-S. Find us on the web at gadzooksandnerd.com slash meow. Yes, meow. M-E-O-W. If you liked the music, you can find more at gadzooksandnerd.com slash fields. That's fields, F-I-E-L-D-S. The Nerd Obscurial Podcast and its contents are, except for the steal this joke joke, the wholly owned and copyrighted property of Gadzooks and Nerd. So don't go stealing any of it, except of course for the steal this joke joke or we'll have to sick big pretzel on you any works products concepts or otherwise intellectual property not owned by gadzooks and nerd mentioned or discussed in the nerd obscurial podcast are done so under fair use for the purposes of commentary critique and obviously comedy so please don't sue us because we can't actually sick big pretzel on anyone the views ideas opinions and beliefs expressed in the nerd obscurial podcast are solely those of its creator and your esteemed host eric the troubadour and do not represent the views opinions or beliefs of any individual or entity named referenced or alluded to in this podcast including but not limited to Johnny Cash, Leonard Nimoy, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter and its parent companies, the Buggles, me, the Oklahoma Kid, Guinness Brewing and its parent companies, Tim Roth, Hawkeye, my wife and her parent companies, the great state of Oklahoma, and of course, all cats everywhere on the internet. Hail Cthulhu. Unfortunately for all of us, for this Friends episode, um, I lost the game. Oklahoma there, he won the game and the outro is his. So before we go, any last words? Good luck to us all. I love you. I'm sorry this happened to us. When you were telling me what we were going to do for this episode, I thought at first, I didn't quite understand what you were going with with the newlywed game thing. Mm-hmm. I thought we were going to do a lightning round where all the questions were about us. So I prepped. I had a set of questions prepped. You know, that I thought I was going to ask you questions. You were going to have to answer questions about me, and then I would answer different questions about you, is what I thought. So I have a set of questions. Okay. I, have, I actually have eight of them here. I'm going to give you six questions, but twice you get two vetoes, and you can replace that question with one of the other two questions, the two reserve questions. But you don't get to see the reserve questions ahead of time. But if a question proves, if you're just like, I'm not going to get this, you can say veto. And you can see if you can get the reserve question. So number one, can you name my... Fuck you. How fucking dare you. You fucking throw that shit to me. That's a fucking stupid question. Well, yeah, like, I'm the asshole. Because I don't know that about you. Like, I'm not a good enough friend to you. Fuck you.